afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to Core. This is the weekly Core Show, where we talk about video games, the industry around it, and our feelings about it. I'm Scott Johnson with John Jagger. Lurking in the shadows, however, is still Bo Schwartz, but for some reason he's grabbing audio drivers and we can't have him in yet. So he's in the channel and he'll join the minute that frees up. But as it stands right now, he is, uh, he's stuck fighting uh, some kind of Windows weirdness. And uh, we'll, we, we, uh, we'll pray for him here. Digital prayer all around, everybody. Pray for his hard drive. Just kidding. Don't do that. That's weird. Hey, John, what's going on? You're over there. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, you know, taking a break from Resident Evil to talk to you. Oh, uh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. John, uh, we're going to get into this, but John played a lot of Resident Evil this week. Like, a lot. Yeah. And he's about to watch me play even more because um, our official playthrough begins, or mine, that is, my my live scream. <laughs> See what I did? I'm sure that's not the first time anyone's ever used that. But uh, we are live streaming this thing on Mondays at 4 p.m. until the game is beat. And it'll be, uh, there's no, uh, oh, I'm in the train and the credits are rolling. Where's disc two? None of that is in this game, right? We're not doing that? Okay. Nope. When you beat this game, Scott, you will have beaten this game. Okay. It won't be you're halfway through the game like Resident Evil 2 where you stopped in the middle. Fair enough. Except that that didn't happen. But yes, I see what you're saying. I get your point. Uh that game, uh, or the, the the game was donated by a listener, Badger Lord. I just uh, wanted to give him a shout out and a quick thanks again for adhering to the rules. I don't, uh, you know, get these for myself to be scared, so someone else has to, and he did. So John's going to be there watching. Having played it two and a half times, you're almost through your third play. Yeah, uh, we're going to get into that today. Like, why? What is it that drives people to play a game more than once, especially a new one? And in your case, almost three times in a single week of uh, launch week, which is insane to me, but we'll find out. And you have yeah. a special relationship to RE anyway. So I, I feel like this is just you being the true fan that you are of the series, but there's probably a little bit more to it. So we'll get to all of that coming up soon. And maybe Bo will pop in right now. We got a, p- a picture of him. It's a beautiful photo. And, uh, <laughs> 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 if you think that looks a little phallic, well, you'd be right. All right. Time for this. Uh, breaking news, by the way, the uh, that Dark Alliance game uh, is coming to Game Pass on day one. And s- some of you are scratching your head going, wait, Baldur's Gate, Dark Alliance, the old PlayStation 2 game that also got a remake. That's not the game we're talking about. We're talking about a D&D game or D&D licensed game called Dark Alliance, which uh, everybody is excited about. And that thing's now coming to Game Pass on day one. Uh, both PC and Xbox, it looks like. Let me make sure that that's correct. I believe so. Yeah, it is both. Uh, John, thoughts and feelings about this? I know we haven't covered it too extensively because I feel like it just got announced. Like, it still seems new. Um, But Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance, third-person RPG set in Dungeons & Dragons universe. What do you think of this? Are you excited now to hear it's coming right to your Xbox for nothing? I certainly liked the old games. Um, what's really interesting about this is that it actually is a tie-in to those old uh, uh, Dungeons & Dragons, like Icewind Dale books. So you actually have Drist and Cadibri and Bruner and Wolfgar as playable characters. I don't know if you ever read those, Scott. I never but, read the books. Uh, uh, that's not true. I read some of the Drist Icewind Dale stuff uh, a long time ago. So yes. So it's actually a, a tie-in, which is which is kind of 
kind of interesting because they they don't do that too often um you know it was one of those things where you play i I played icewind dale and that's what got me to read the books and i was like oh this is about characters and Mm -hmm. those characters never really seem to turn up anywhere except the books so i think that's interesting i'm Curious how it goes. I mean, D&D certainly has a good history with uh, fun co-op gameplay and video games. Yeah, that's been my experience as well. And uh, this looks real nice. Looks like a next-gen game. Uh, Lighting and stuff looks real pretty and all that. Um, So, yeah, genuinely curious. I don't know if this is... uh, I assume this is multiplayer, right? Let's see. has to be. Oh, there it is. Co-op. There it is. Co-op will be available online... Only at launch? What does that mean? Uh, okay, let me read. Let me read this part. It puts players in control of one of four heroes. Each one will have their own special abilities and unique moves. To battle through the frozen land of Icewind Dale, players can even team up with as many of uh, as three friends in co-op. Though co-op will be available online only at launch. I don't know what that means. Oh, online only. You can't do it. No, uh, multiple people on the same couch. Kind of. Yeah, co-op. there needs to be a comma in there. Online only. Yeah, at launch. At launch. So, in other words, they might do couch co-op at some point, but as of launch, yeah. you can only do it over the internet. Uh, they are going to allow cross-play uh, across Windows PC and Xbox. Uh, the game is a spiritual successor to Baldur's Gate, Dark Alliance, and Dark Alliance 2, which were also Dungeons & Dragons-themed action role-playing games. Like those original titles, Dark Alliance takes place in the series Forgotten Realms timeline. Um, I'm more excited just reading this than I was prior. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'll play this. I'm stoked. When is this? This is uh, this isn't tomorrow, is it? No, June 22nd. Sorry, we got a ways. We got a little ways, but uh, it's available everywhere. I know Steam has it, and uh, PlayStation will have it. Everybody will have it. But if you are an Xbox, uh, uh, what's it called? <laughs> Game Pass. Game Pass subscriber, <clears throat> you can have it day <laughs> one on your business. Uh, that business being your PC or your Xbox. Exciting stuff. We should, uh, I don't know. That might be yeah. one we'd play together. That feels like a thing the three of us might play, doesn't it? That'd be a good one. Yeah. yeah. He's got the Xbox. We've got it. It's PC cross uh, cross play. So if one of us didn't want to play it there, we could. Like That just seems like they're begging us to play it. And it's. Something. I think we should. I think we should do it. All right. We're, already, we're planning it now. It's happening. Everybody get ready. Uh, mark your calendars. Somehow, some way, this is happening. Um, all right, what else? Oh, uh, the splintering of Blizzard into many other, <laughs> many other developers <clears throat> continues this week, uh, kind of out of nowhere. Although apparently they've been working together for about ten months, some of the people there, uh, just quietly. But Lightforge Games is official now. This is ex Blizzard and ex Epic veterans, and there are a few others mixed in there, but mostly Blizzard and Epic folks are starting a new team uh, called Lightforge Games. They claim their big focus is reevaluating what an RPG is from the ground up, whatever that means. Um, a lot of this stuff is <clears throat> only interesting in the long term because we don't really care until we see the actual game, but it's significant because we have these uh, you know, expats from these big developers that we all know and like, especially in Blizzard's case, and we're seeing a lot of this lately, but the big thing here seems to be the kind of culture focus they have, um, they are going to from and already are from day one. They are a remote studio, and that's the plan entirely. They they there's a whole write up uh, with an interview where one of the co-founders said one of the hardest things 
in the games business because it changes so quick and games get shipped and then suddenly you're either out of a job or you have to move to another studio or the same studio but in another city. They're constantly uprooting you and moving you around. And he says, I think that's a relic of the past. We don't actually need to do that. So instead, we want people to live where they best can live and already can't afford or whatever. You know, there's a lot of factors in why you'd want to live wherever you'd want to live. And uh, we're not worried about everybody, you know, living in the same city and coming in the same office. We are going to be a remote studio and they've got a big push about things like inclusion and diversity and a lot of that other stuff as well, as well as sort of just a culture of sort of ground up to the top um, communication where everybody sort of has a say in how things are going. Now, a lot of that could be pie in the sky. Um, everybody aims for <clears throat> aims, you know, to, to do it better than the last guy did it. But um, it all sounded pretty legit to me. And um, it's also kind of a I don't know, a new wave of developers doing everything from home. I thought it was interesting. Those guys that did um, uh, for Microsoft, the uh, the Willow and the Wisps and the other one before it. Oh, yeah. The Ori games. Ori. There you go. I was thinking Elmo. But I knew that wasn't right. Elmo <laughs> and the Willow and the Wisps. Anyway. Hey, everybody. Um, those games were done completely 100% remote, even before the pandemic, the first game. That's just oh, how geez. that developer works. Right. And it's cr- that's crazy to me. That they that they figured out a way to do it, but at the same time, yeah, was there has there ever been a better time to do that? Probably not. And I don't just mean because I mean, of the pandemic. I mean, yeah. we're just there with the technology, right? A lot of people are. That's what they they experienced, and and I think that's a very good point. I mean, we've seen plenty of studios uh, get. People are going to know I'm talking about one specifically. We've seen studios uh, move a whole bunch of people somewhere because they're getting some tax incentive uh, and make a bunch of people relocate. And if that falls apart, if that doesn't work, you've got a bunch of people uh, in a real bad situation, you know, especially if you can't pay them. So it's uh, I kind of think that that's smart. You know, there's a lot of work that we collectively as a culture have learned um, you maybe don't have to be in the office for. And I think by leaning into that, you know, I think it's, I think it's good. I think it's ultimately to the benefit. It's not for every job. It's not for every industry, but if they think that they can make this work and if you go in knowing what that it's going to be, um, I think that's going to be to their benefit and not uprooting a bunch of people uh, to gamble on game development, which is not a sure thing, mm-hmm. it seems smart. Yeah, really does to me. I mean, in their case, there's a bunch of them sort of already coagulated in parts of Orange County, but <clears throat> a few of the hires that they've already made are kind of scattered around the country and potentially the world. And it just, you know, those limits are are less and less of a problem. And I think that's really cool. Um, the proof will be in the pudding, and that is to say the pudding is the game, so we have to wait and see what that is. But here's what their original tweet announcement said. Time to light the forge. We're thrilled to announce Lightforge Games. We're an all-new video game studio on a quest to rethink RPGs. So whatever the heck that means. Um, side note, I talked to Chris Metzen about this on, on the side. He knows all these people, and he thinks this is going to be the big one. As much as you know, there's going to be a lot of noise out of Dreamhaven and a lot of stuff eventually out of, you know, maybe Bonfire and others. Uh, he thinks this is the one where the where the crazy passion lies. So we'll see. Well, what in happens. the in the article that 
you shared with me, uh, one of the top things that it talks about is uh, new developers raise five million in investment as it aims to mesh elements from Minecraft or Roblox with tabletop RPGs. Now, the, a lot of times we collectively kind of roll our eyes when we hear Minecraft or Roblox because we think, oh, it's stuff for kids. Um, right. And I'm an adult who likes adult things and cool. Yeah. And I, I like video games, stuff. not that. Those are toys. Exactly. Uh, but uh, I think that, you know, I think there is a future there. Mm-hmm. I think that the ability to kind of create worlds and this sort of creativity and you're helping build it, I think, is sort of the future. Um, you know, we're definitely getting to a place where everybody sort of thinks that they're a developer to some degree. And I think giving people the ability to craft their own worlds and their own narratives and their own stories and stuff like that is cool. We don't know how they're going to merge those elements, but I mean, I would be very excited if they said, well, it's going to be an RPG world where you can build whatever you want and you can do whatever you want. And the world reacts dynamically to it. You know, you, you might have a dragon attack one day or you might have this happen. Like there's a ton you could see and it doesn't mean it has to look like Minecraft. You know, that's the other thing is people hear Minecraft and they immediately assume it's a bunch of squares. Yeah, they're uh, going to make a voxel destructible world, and that isn't necessarily what they're talking about. But yeah, yeah, I think that they're smart uh, to do that. And I, you know, who knows what they ultimately mean? But there was a lot of interactions with these people on Twitter. I think this feels like a bit of a tipping point moment where you're like, oh, we really are about to see a lot of Blizzard refugees start new stuff. Like we we were already seeing it, but it was a big chunk of time between bonfire and let's say the next big one which is probably frost giant which is you know all the ex uh rts people from blizzard started that studio and working on a new rts but then dreamhaven was like oh well of course mike morheim with all his money he's going to do a thing but i feel like lately these little things like war chief gaming with metzen and this stuff here with lightforge is just like yeah this is the moment this is where the splinter happens and I don't, I don't mean this as like, Blizzard's falling apart. It's not what I mean. What I mean is like, the old guard is leaving and at different paces, different levels and all of that. And where are they going? Well, we're starting to learn where they're going. And yeah. it's exciting. I'm really excited to see what comes out of this stuff because I'm old enough to know that pl- there have been plenty of times in the history of the company where people have left Blizzard and everyone thought, oh, Hellgate London. Did you hear about that? Ex-Blizzard devs who made Diablo. They're making Hellgate London. It's going to be so good. And Hellgate London was a nightmare. It was terrible. Uh, was what was the other one that they were always having the oh, biggest? Man, the art for that looks so cool. I know. It did. It looked amazing. <sighs> and by the time they got kind of polished up a bit, it was still better. But the, by then, everybody had moved on. So it just wasn't going to work. Sometimes it does, though. X-Devs worked on and made the original Torchlight and Torchlight 2 games. Fantastic games. Um, but now that's all kind of a weird disarray. But but the you know there are examples of people that go on to do big things, but we don't really have anything yet where we're like, now that's an X-Blizzard game. You know? Nobody's yeah. quite there. Uh, so when that happens, I'll be super interested. But some, <laughs> some of their... <laughs> <coughs> interactions on Twitter crack me up. Here's one that I saw that I have to share. This is somebody named Arisu uh, tweeted them in reply to the tweet I just read a minute ago and said, can we expect RPG video games from you that has romance options with sex scenes that show full frontal nudity? And they replied. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's very specific, LOL. 
It <laughs> <laughs> is very specific. Yeah. And like, then that person said, they followed up with, I know what I want and I need to know if this new company can deliver. People may think it's a shit post, but I am asking a genuine question. All I would say is to Arisu is, I don't know if I'd like to introduce you to the internet where this full frontal nudity you're looking for is everywhere. So it's not, it's not hard to find. You don't have to go through 38 hours of an RPG campaign to find it. You can go through about two minutes of a Google search. Yeah. Get after it, man. If you're looking for some nudity, bing, I great if news. you feel crazy, you know, bing it. Yeah. Bing it. If you, yeah. If you really want to go down a hole, bing, bing is your friend. That's what I've heard. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that made me laugh. Uh, so yeah, we'll see what they do. It's hard to know until we see anything. There's no announcements, no games other than the company's forming. And all day today, there've been little, little um, posts from people here and there that that work at Blizzard that I follow. They're like, "Hey, good news, big news today! I'm leaving Blizzard and working at at Lightforge." And you know, everybody's everybody's got their thing right now, and it's uh, it's going to be an interesting thing because you know, not every one of these developers is going to end up with the big end end all be all game. But, oh, but in general, it spreads your interest out, right, you know, like right. uh, we kind of know what to expect from Blizzard, you know, yeah. and I say that both in kind of a disappointing way. And I say that in a, I really want Diablo four kind of way. Like right. it's, it, it is what it is. We know what to expect from Blizzard. And now with all this talent spread out, I feel like there are a bunch of other studios that I'm keenly interested in projects that they're working on. They may not all happen. They may not all be good, but I'm interested in the people because at the end of the day, we loved to use a term like blizzard as Mm -hmm. an umbrella term for a lot of people. And now we're getting into a spot where we're still kind of using the company names, but we're following the individuals a little bit more. And I am extremely curious to see what they do. Me too. Quick note from Sidian in the chat made a pretty good point. It says there's a ton of low budget shovelware porn games filling the market, especially on Steam. Uh, that want double uh, A AA or triple A budget treatment of romance, so it's not that unreasonable of a question. That's a very good point. Like if you're in video games, if if you if your ultimate uh, <laughs> time in a video game you hope is spent with a lot of nudity <laughs> and sex, but you're also hoping for a lot of high quality around it, meaning you know a high production value in general. Like let's say Game of Thrones was a very high production value fantasy show and it had naked people in it doing it if that's what you're aiming for yeah there's probably room for improvement in this industry if that's what you're if that's what you're solely looking for i just think it's weird to ask a a brand new developer on the day of their announcement jumping straight to all right great that's great but what about the full frontal nudity we don't even know what they're doing yet we don't know anything about it like they probably you can't talk know. about your project, but I want to know about the nudity. Is there going to be bone in it? Right. Like that stuff's I, again, no judgment. You're into whatever you're into, but maybe it's not the first thing on their minds. I think right now it's like building the groundwork for it, the company itself and the case for what game they want to build and why. And I don't think anyone's in that boardroom, the virtual boardroom going, all right, you guys, we got a big list to get through. Everybody's hunkered down. Uh, about 20 items on the on the hit list here, but let's start with number one, full frontal nudity and boning. Like, they're not doing it. Nobody does that. Let's figure <laughs> it out. I, but I mean, I will say this. The jokes aside, there is a market, uh, and here's the thing. Our new Dear Martha segment, where I have to look up Steam reviews, has led me to some very interesting uh, 
sections of Steam. Although I was surprised to learn that uh, I went looking for Steam reviews uh, the other day, mm -hmm. and I was getting recommended a lot of uh, adult games. And they said that the reason I was being recommended it, I thought maybe it was because I was looking at them for reviews for uh, Dear Martha, and I was like, oh, now I'm going to just get fed a bunch of these. But it said, no, because right. of the hours you've spent playing sexual content games. <laughs> and I thought, well, what sexual content games am I have been playing? Turns out, Scott, I am currently invested heavily in the number one best-selling sexual content game listed on steam which is resident evil village a game that contains almost no sexual content what why is so, that why why do they have that categorically that way that doesn't make sense I have to me no idea there's a baby in it there's evidence of sexual content that happened at some point but okay. beyond that i don't know the vampire lady is tall and has boobs okay that's as far as i can tell but i don't think that's enough naked. i don't think that's enough no. yeah I'm it's not. It's it's very weird, but yeah. <laughs> so now Steam thinks I have spent a ton of time in its most popular sexual content game. But uh, I will say there's a game called Subverse on Steam, yeah. which is billing itself as kind of what Chat was saying. Not shovelware, a genuine developer putting uh, money and effort and art into a essentially a porn game. And that's what it has been billed as. That's what it was. I don't know if it went through Kickstarter or what, but that's what they they put it out as. So it's a well-made so there's an audience yeah. for this. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, and so I kind of get where that guy's coming from. But it is a weird thing. They're like, hey, "Good job, glad you're a developer." Let's talk about the nudity. They didn't even. Where are we landed on this? That, and that's what's funny is they didn't even start with that. Oh, there are boobs. I can't show those. Let's get that off there. All right, people are doing it already in that trailer. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. The the, the boy Steam long. Steam gets right to it. They're not they're not holding out out. Uh, but yeah, like again, this isn't about somebody's. Uh, look, if that's what you're into in games, let's say you play Mass Effect all the time, and you're like, man, I sure like romance and characters, but I sure wish it was a way more explicit experience when that's happening. All right, that's a fine thing to want. That's fine. But if I've got somebody walks up to me and goes. I'm going to start selling a barrel of apples on the corner street so people can come buy an apple. That sounds great. How soon can I shove one up my anus? Like, don't <laughs> don't go straight to that. Go figure out what they're going to be first. Like, I, that's all I'm saying. That's my whole thing here. Nothing to do with his needs. Kink your way to kink town. Don't care. Uh, Ex-Blizzard people making a company. Make what you want to make. And if it's full of sex, great. If it's not, great. Whatever. Everybody do what you got to do. But... Going from zero to 60 on your need just strikes me as like not reading the room. I don't know. I could be wrong. Anal beef says Alora for real in the chat. Great. Fine. Forget about dragon beef, Brian. We're on a, or uh, Brian, uh, uh, John, we're on to anal beef. And I didn't That's say Brian time. because I associate him with anal beef. Okay. I just want to make that clear. Uh, all right. <laughs> Let's move on. Oh, quick bow check. Let's see. Oh, he's gone dark. He's gone dark. I don't know what that means. Hmm. Oh, let's see. What? No, wait. No. Nope. Nope. There we go. That's Whoa. Yeah. I think Bo, Bo is being silenced. He is uh, the, the man. He's uh, the man is mad at him. I don't know what's going on there. All right. Well, we'll keep checking in on seeing uh, how he's doing. Uh, there was a story today that I couldn't. Re I refuse not to talk about, and that is Target. You know, Target, the store, Target. Uh, they stopped selling Pokemon cards 
in the store because they are now citing safety concerns. Now, you may read that headline and go, what, like COVID things or something like that? Or people are getting sick from touching cards? No, that is not it. It's because people are insane. And grown people, men and women, are showing up in this line, adult human beings, and they are shoving for position, getting in fights. Uh, the other day, one of the stores, somebody brandished a knife out, out front, threatening to, you know, if I don't get the pack I want, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to hurt somebody sort of thing. And uh, all this kind of stuff. They get up to the front of the thing. They're out there at like four in the morning. All right. Wait for the store to open. The guy comes out and says, you can have so many of these. You can buy this pack. You can do this. And please be nice and come in here. And instead, they just run in there like the Elmo dolls in the 80s or whatever, the Cabbage Patch Kids, and trample each other. It's ridiculous. For Pokemon cards, I get it. Collectibles, man. People are into them. But I, this boggles my mind that people get this, this freaked out. So it's the power of Pokemon, man. I guess so. I guess so. Pokemon is weird. I was in high school. No, I was in middle school when Pokemon came out. And we are still at a place where people are trampling each other for cards of these things. Yep. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, in 2021. Like, I know things stay popular kind of forever, but they don't go, hey, we're we're selling Marvel cards and people <laughs> trample each other. Yeah. Like, Pokemon has remained extremely heavily popular for a very long time. It's, yeah. it's kind of shocking. You do forget. But I get it because um, I like Pokemon. Well, of so, course. You but know, you do maybe. forget how popular the cards are still. Like, you think of the games and all the surrounding media and Pokemon go and all that. And in my head, that's Pokemon, but at the core, it's still these cards. Like that's really where the focus is and the money is and the trading is and all the weird back alley stuff that goes on with trading cards. It's maybe still one of the biggest things going. So, um, I assume you can still how buy many people like how many people play the game. Oh, I don't that's, know. Cause there's a game to it. Like these cards aren't just like, pictures yeah it's a like, ccg there's a, there's, it's a ccg basically right like well, I, w- I wonder how many people are actually like no i could go for a good round of pokemon i don't oh, know like, like magic play magic players always seem to have games going but i never hear about pokemon people having games i could be wrong maybe it's just kids like there's a neighbor kid just a few houses from me his name is ethan really cool kid and he loves pokemon and he's got he brought these over to show me once because he knows I'm, you know, in this world of stuff. But he brought over these giant books, like three ring binders, full of Pokemon cards, like those sheets that have multiple little pockets in them. And he's got plastic mm-hmm. on each card, and then it's inserted into another plastic sleeve. They're in mint oh, condition, and there's just thousands of them. And he's got these ones. That he's like, yeah, these are really, you know, hard to get. And there's an original, you know, whatever. And showing me all this stuff. And I asked him at the time, this is forever ago. I said, do you still play this? Oh yeah, we play all the time. We're really careful though. Really careful. Take him out. Interesting. Yeah. I, so here's my, uh, Walter white moment in life is I had a complete set of original run Pokemon cards. The very first ones that ever came out and every single card, um, that you could get. And I sold it back when I was a kid uh, for $800 because to me, $800 was the most money that I could imagine ever having. Yeah. And now I see what one of those cards sells for and it makes me a little sad. Wow. 
Yeah. If you'd have, I mean, what happened to yours? Do you know where they are now? Are they gone? They just got chucked. No, I, I sold the whole oh, set. Oh, that whole for set for 800? That whole yeah, thing? The whole set for $800. <sighs> I misunderstood. Yeah. I thought you just sold some of it. So you don't have any of that anymore. I don't have any. Of like right now that. would be the time. I don't know what you'd get for 800 bucks worth of that. Or, you know, based on what you, do you know what you sold? Like in terms of like what cards were big or what uh, value they had or any uh, of that? I, I don't know. I can just tell you if somebody else follows it, it was a complete set of the first set of Pokemon cards that were ever released. Damn, dude. I'll bet. I'll bet now you'd have been in the at least like the five, six thousand range. At least. I mean, some of those cards you hear selling for like fourteen hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. right, like for one card. Yeah. And uh, mine was like, no, you can have them. And I think I even included duplicates. Like I was like, well, I got eight of these. so You can have all oh, eight of them. Oh, man. Like, well, you just thought you were at a crossroads. You're like, yeah, I guess I'm. uh I thought it was going to lose value <laughs> yeah. to me. I was like, no, this is the peak of popularity. You know, again, we didn't know Pokemon was going to stay relevant for 20 years. Man, okay. um, so it was a peak of popularity, like strike while the, the iron's hot and uh, sold it $300. And wow. it was, it's real bad. Worth Speaking every... of Marvel cards, I still have my stupid Marvel cards that I don't think are worth anything. So <laughs> there you go. Maybe they are, though. Maybe those are worth something now. I have some Star Wars cards like that somewhere, like those old 80s and 90s ones. Yeah, yeah. the whole stack over here. I don't I don't know how to get them evaluated or what you do. I guess I look them up on eBay and see what other people sell them for. But I don't know. Kind of foreign to that stuff. I'm not much of a collector guy. I'm bad at it. Let's put it that way. Like I've got. Yeah, I never. Go ahead never really panned for me you know like anything i ever tried to collect was never the thing that held value i was always the person that held on to the stuff that was uh worthless and sold the stuff that was good the the best item that i think i ever had for a collection was disney made a tarzan doll we bought this for the collective purpose because we we heard about it. Yeah. But Disney made a Tarzan doll that got recalled because he had a little button on his back that when you moved, it just moved his hand up and down. But he was doing this with his hand and it was right over his junk. And it just made him do the Tarzan yell while he was going like this. So it's just he just pushed the button and he'd just go, oh, oh, oh. And uh, (laughs) that was my favorite collectible that we ever had was the recalled Tarzan. Oh, I love that kind of thing. It's like the, the, I have it here somewhere. I wish I had a handy, I'd show it, but um, the little mermaid uh, VHS cover that had all the penises on it. Oh yeah. uh, I had that too. Yeah. (laughs) That thing's worth money. If I ever wanted to sell it, it's kind of in bad shape, but there's like all sorts of weird stuff on that cover that if you look at it, you're like, what were they doing? Like, Mm Mm-hmm. That's real weird. And if you and if you have the newer one, all of the things that were suspect on that first one changed. All of them. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, Disney, it was a coincidence, but we've decided to change all of it. Yeah, we changed it all, but I'm sure it was nothing. Um, but no, I know. I guarantee you some artist was being funny, man. I guarantee it. Oh, there is one that is it's unmistakable. It has the veins. Yeah. And everything. <laughs> yeah. And there's there's this. There's the shot in front. Who, what's the prince in that movie called? I forget his name. Prince. Uh, prince Eric. Eric. Okay. Lame. Anyway, there's <laughs> Ariel sitting on a rock 
and she's going, she's looking down, not at him, but at his, at his crotch and going like this. And he is hidden behind the rock with his hand down behind the rock where his crotch should be doing. I don't know what, while she's being, you know, scared, you know, uh, uh, flabbergasted by it. Giving himself the old Prince Eric. Yeah. Giving, giving himself the Prince Eric while a thousand ornate wieners are in the background. It's an odd thing. It's something you should go look up, everybody. I'm not making this up. It exists. The point is, uh, Pokemon. Pokemon. It, it causes consternation. Uh, this is what Target said. The safety of our guests and our team are our top priority. Uh, let's see. They were talking to Polygon in this case. Out of an abundance of caution, we have decided to temporarily suspend the sale of MLB, NFL, NBA, and Pokemon trading cards within our stores. They say it's a temporary move, but they don't give a date on when that would lift. And when Pokemon cards goes away. Yeah. <laughs> boy, I feel bad for sports cards. They kind of got just thrown in with this bunch. I don't think anybody was getting knocked over for some NFL trading cards. Yeah. But no. they all got banned too. Yeah, that's true. Um, I guess they probably felt like they had to do it across the board, I'll bet. Just to appease people who might freak out and say, well, it's not fair. I can still get an NFL card. I don't know. Who knows? But uh, this is this is an. Oh, you're going to hate this number. I don't even know. I should say this to you because in your eight hundred dollars collection, you may have had this. Wow. Uh, rare older cards, like for example, a special holographic Charizard, have sold upward of three hundred thousand dollars for a single card. You didn't have that card, did you? I don't remember it being holographic, <laughs> but I yeah. did have an original Charizard. I don't remember it having a hologram on it. Uh, or being a holographic card, but I a- did have a Charizard. Anything with a Shining Fates uh, Shining Fates set? Let's see. The Shining Fates set sells for hundreds of dollars. Um, yeah, all my Pokemon were from before then. Mine was okay. just like, my set was just like, hey, we wonder if people will be into Pokemon cards. Let's make some. And that's the set that I got. Wow. Uh, oh, Wow. 2021 is the 25th anniversary, listen to this, year for Pokemon, and promotions celebrating that date, it put Pokemon cards into cereal boxes and McDonald's Happy Meals. Both those promotions I just mentioned have been overwhelmed by collectors, ripping open unsold cereal boxes in stores, or leaving uh, Happy Meals prizes sold out nationwide. So basically, it's just everybody's buying it up. I don't think anybody meant, nobody means for this to be such a weird addiction, but it is. So there it is. Good luck, everybody. Uh, it sounds like the most miserable thing in the world to go to a Target at 4 a.m. to get a car, a bunch of cards. It sounds terrible. No, the only people that should be doing that are really desperate parents just before the holidays. Like, that's the, you know, that's what that experience is for. Yeah, you do that for, for a video game console launch. You don't do it for a chance to get a card you wanted. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Anyway, that's that story. Mass Effect Trilogy happens tomorrow. Ooh, I'm very excited. Ooh. I'm excited too. Like you, uh, Mass Effect. I Where are you getting it? Where are you going to play it? Uh, I got it on PC. I don't I don't know how I feel about the decision, but I feel like I've wanted a good version of Mass Effect on the PC for a long time. The yeah. original version was a kind of notoriously bad port. Uh, with all sorts of weird issues and changes for mouse and keyboard controls because it didn't support the controller. Yeah. Um, so I kind of I kind of want that, um, but I'm tempted to get it on my uh, Xbox Series X, which 
apparently uh, supports a higher frame rate than the PlayStation 5 will. So oh. apparently that's the that's the place to, to get it if you're going to get it on a console. What What's the, but, do they say why that is? Why the why the faster frame rate? That's weird, isn't it? No, they just said it's it's 120 on the Xbox and it's 60 on the PlayStation. Oh, sweet, because my, my TV supports that 120. I think you just made the decision for me. I think I'm going to get it there. Uh, I've watched a lot of footage of it today. It's definitely something where, you know, your familiarity with Mass Effect is going to change your opinion. Um, you know, if you've played a lot of it, I think you're going to see the upgrades for what they are. If it's if you played it once and you're coming back to it, I think you're going to be looking at a game and going, this looks like a up-res Xbox 360 game, which is kind of, you know, where where it's at. Uh, the original Mass Effect was kind of this notoriously dark game. Uh, mm-hmm. It had a lot of, you know, dark lighting over the top of everything. Everything was very in shadow. And I feel like they have undone that in the Legendary Edition. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've given, they've made everything very bright so you can see these high-res character models that they've put into the game. Mm. I think that doing that has also maybe illustrated some stuff that wasn't great about mm. the original Mass Effect that yeah. uh, was maybe obfuscated by the shadow a little bit mm-hmm. um, by being in the dark where, you know, there's weird animations and weird eye tracking and snapping during conversations and stuff like that. So uh, it is not going to be the best looking game ever. But if you like Mass Effect and you wanted to play it on a more modern console, this seems like a really good way to do that. So for me, that's what I wanted. That's all it needed to be. But I, I feel like, based on what I've seen, maybe be careful uh, with your purchase, mm. if, depending on what you're looking for. Uh, that said, I, I can confirm some of the stuff you were interested in, Scott. There is control, UI, uh, gameplay updates to Mass Effect 1, which should make it more fun for you. Mm. Um, at least a little more streamlined. So I, mean, I never played 1 because at the time, the PC port of it, uh, was dec- nobody liked it. And that's where I would have played it. And then I don't remember what happened except that two was just really good. And I so I played two and I jumped in late and I didn't have any of the previous story or any of that. So part of me is just like, I want to experience what the first part of that story is and those characters and, you know, all that. And having it be a unified three game trilogy, I don't need it to look like next gen freaking, you know, uh, mocap all that in fact the frame rate update alone will be a huge improvement over what it used to be so um i think i'm in i think i'm getting it i just told my xbox to install it it'll it'll still be a you know when i go to do it it'll say all right you ready to pay for this and i'll say either yay or nay i don't know i think you should do it play yourself some mass effect especially if you haven't played that first game i think that first game I think there's a lot to like there. Um, there are parts of it that I like more than any of the other games in the series. It feels wow. a little more open um, in a cool way. Yeah. But there's definitely kind of a, at least with two and three, two and three felt a little more hub worldy from what I can tell, from what people have explained to me about one, one felt more like the Bioware tradition of a larger um, space for lack of a better term. And you kind of being able to kind of go where you want to go. And this had more. And the other two were just a little bit more, not linear, but, you know, 
you were never going to be in your ship as it flew somewhere. You never, you were never going to elite dangerous yourself from one system to another. Um, you were always just going to use that weird menu and do it that way. And that's fine. But I'm looking yeah. forward to the music. I'm looking forward to like just some of those characterizations again. I'm just, uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm hungry for it. I think, I think I'll, I think I'll play it. I just don't have time right now. Honestly, I have no time for anything until this Kickstarter is done. So me getting a massive, like how many hours do you think this, this trilogy is in, in total? It's probably, I don't know, a couple hundred. It's probably approaching. If you went fast and you weren't insisting on all the content, you probably 60 hours, I would guess. Okay. Kind of averaging it out to about 20 hours per game, but, um, that might be low. Yeah. Well, we'll see. It's downloading. Well, I'll decide tomorrow, I guess. Uh, what else? Uh, that's it. That's all of it. I did want to talk a little bit about what it takes to play a game multiple times. John's played RE8 or Village now two and almost three times since it landed last week. And that's a lot. Um, and then you'll be watching me play it again, which is a weird sort of pseudo fourth time anyway. Uh, that's to me, that seems like it's a throwback to when you're a kid and you got, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good game that this would work for, uh, you know, Super Mario Brothers on a, on a NES. Let's say some kid, you know, gets it in junior high and he's like, oh, man, I cannot wait to play Mario Brothers. And then they just play that game over and over and over because it's a somewhat linear experience. There's a beginning, there's an end, and then you just keep doing it. And it feels like you're kind of a throwback to that in, in some ways. I can't remember the last time that I immediately turned around to play a game again even new game plus style or, you know, with other benefits or added benefits and RE, you know, the RE series has always kind of had some of that, but what drives you and what, I guess what has driven you is, is kind of like an extended review here, but what drives you to keep going back to village? So uh, I'll talk more about resident evil village on my, uh, when we talk about it or we can get into it now, but I, I think as far as like for the replay value, uh, resident evil village does something really smart and that is, they aren't precious about their game difficulty. Um, I feel like a lot of games these days, uh, they they worry about making players feel like they've really accomplished something, and therefore, like, they get a little precious about gameplay difficulty. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times we see this loop, right? Where it's like, you beat the game as a reward for beating the game, because games like to reward you for doing that. They give you something at the end, and then you may, maybe you unlock a higher difficulty or something like that. But you go to do that new difficulty and it's like, okay, well, we you unlocked the laser gun and hardcore mode. And you go, okay, well, let me go into hardcore mode. And they're like, okay, you can. Well, can I use that laser cannon I unlocked in hardcore mode? Oh, no, because this is hardcore mode and that would make it not hardcore. Mm. It's like, well, why did you give me a laser gun? And then a, a higher difficulty and not let me use it together. Like, what was the point in that, you know? And Resident Evil Village does something very smart, which is when you beat the game, uh, you unlock the bonus store, which is basically they take all the achievements and all the things you've earned over the course of gameplay, it tracks all of that, and it gives you a point value for everything that you've done. And that point value acts as a currency in a store where you can buy guns that you haven't uh, that weren't in the game on your first playthrough, 
Or you can buy infinite ammo for guns that you have unlocked and fully upgraded over the course of the campaign. So I got done with the game and went into the bonus store and bought infinite ammo for my pistol and my shotgun. Mm -mm. And I went, man, I spent that whole game feeling real precious about my ammo. I wonder what that game would be like to just go in and unload on enemies. Right. And I also unlocked a higher difficulty. So, I, okay, let's try a higher difficulty. And sure enough, it lets you bring in your infinite ammo guns. It's like, oh. no, you earned them. Wow. Use them. Why wow. not? Okay. Uh, I still found that higher difficulty to be hard. <laughs> so I bumped it back down for my second playthrough and went, well, let's, let's not go crazy. And I started playing it, and I was like, this is really good. This feels now like an even more action-y game than it did, and I don't have to worry about ammo, and uh, it's just made the gameplay feel a lot better. Let's keep going. And I just, it kept pushing me forward, and then I thought, man, you know, this is really nice on my default shitty gun and on my default shitty shotgun, but what if I had infinite ammo for, like, a good gun? <laughs> like, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> and... So then I started putting in the effort to unlock uh, the fully upgraded Magnum and infinite ammo for the Magnum, which had there were basically two things I was doing at the same time. I was trying to beat the game again and enjoying it with infinite ammo, but I was also trying to complete more of those challenges to earn more of the currency so that I could go in and and do this. And so I. I was basically playing the game in new, unique ways. Even though it's a linear game, I was doing things differently than I did the first go-round and trying new things and new experiences along the way. And I got the Magnum. I got it fully upgraded, and I got infinite ammo for it. And now I go into the game, and sure enough, there's a challenge for killing this extremely powerful monster that you're supposed to run from instead of running from it. Yeah. I killed him because I had Magnum. Super easy. It was really easy to do. Yeah. So now I've bumped it up to an even higher difficulty and I'm walking through that difficulty because if you shoot everything with the Magnum, it dies. And it made me realize, like, you know what? This is fun. Save difficulty for people that are going to be speedrunners, for people that are going to go, look, I beat the game in three hours, which yeah. there is actually a challenge to beat this game in three hours. Oh, my gosh. Let those people knock that out. Yeah. Let everybody else just have fun with the stuff you've given them. And that's exactly what it does. Game has a lightsaber in it uh, as an unlockable. That's not in the main game, so I don't <laughs> really? feel like that's a spoiler. Wow. Yeah. Double-bladed lightsabers, man. Oh, my gosh. I mean, there's a lot of mods um, and stuff. That's not a mod. You're saying that's just in the game. That's just in the game. Wow. I don't have it, but it's unlockable <laughs> in the game. And uh, I just think that them saying, like, no, come in, have fun, enjoy the game. Like, that's what the game's there for. We don't have to put all these weird barriers in front of everything in the game. Like, I agree there should be some level of you earned it. Like, you know, you shouldn't be given the lightsaber just cause, right. but at the same time, like if people have it, let them then enjoy it. And that's exactly what this game did is it provided a really cool sandbox to unlock this stuff and play with. And by the time you're done messing around with it, you're like, well, I'm halfway through this game and just finish just it. Finish it. Go through yeah. it. See how quick I can do it. Let's see what it does to this boss. Let's see, you know, let's see how it works with this. Um, well, it so, helps that you're not really afraid of any of this, right? Like, you're not me where I'm going to die because a giant vampire lady is hunting me down. Like, you you see it. I think you see it differently. You may get a couple of jump scares and you might giggle your way through it, but you're not like me where I'm ready to crawl in the corner and never talk to anyone again. 
So I think that right. helps. Right? I, <laughs> I am having conversations with my wife while playing this game and she's jumping and going, huh? And I'm still talking and in the middle of talking while it's all going on. Yeah. So you're right. It doesn't, it doesn't phase me the same way it phases everybody else. But, uh, that said, there were some, there were some times I jumped. In fact, there's, I think I said it on somewhere. It has one of my favorite jump scares I've ever seen in a video game. In I any really, video game. really liked it. Okay. And it's uh, really clever. So we, we talked about ahead. a pre-show, but just for the record, Ethan uh, still heals his hand by dumping water on his hand. Right. He does. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm in from that alone. Do you still yeah. think he's the worst character now that you played this? You feel better well, about it? I Ethan? said Chris Redfield was the worst. Oh character. yeah, you did. Um, I hate Chris and Ethan. I don't know, man. It is a race to the bottom with these two. Uh, <laughs> Ethan Winters might be the dumbest video game character that ever existed. Okay. He is, I mean, Chris <laughs> punches rocks and yeah. that bothered me. Yeah. But there is a part where Ethan has watched somebody die. He then has had something horrible happen to him and he is wound up in a basement full of dead bodies. Yeah. Full of them. And he looks at the first dead body he sees, and his reaction is, huh? A dead body? <laughs> <laughs> and he, with all the, like, fear of just a guy walking down the street and sees gum. It's just like, huh? Gum on the street? Like, he, he is <laughs> equal parts, like into it and completely disconnected from the things that are going on. It's a really weird thing with Ethan. There are times where I'm like, this guy is going through more than any human being should ever have to go through. Yeah. But then he's just like, okay guys, let's go. Let's do it. Like, There's no drama to him whatsoever. He just, he just gonna go. I, I will also say this, especially as a new father, there's some stuff in this game that's maybe the roughest stuff that Resident Evil has ever done. Really? Okay. And Ethan is really not phased by it. Yeah. He's just like, it's huh. bad when I feel like I'm more upset than the character that should be invested in it. Uh, but that's kind of how some of it comes across. Um, it's uh, Chad says, so he's Marky Mark. There is a level of that. Oh, boy. There's a level of like, hey, Ethan, everybody you know is dead. And he just goes, what? what? No. <laughs> I just, <laughs> he's not feeling it. Do we get it? That do, said. Yeah, go ahead. I, wa I want to say this. So we've talked about my feelings on Chris Redfield. Yeah, yeah. And why I don't like him. Mm -hmm. There is a character in this game that refers to Chris Redfield as that boulder punching asshole. And I was so excited that somebody in this game called Chris out for what he truly is. That's amazing. I, I, I thought you were going to say something else. I was no, I, I mean, I kind of thought you were going to say that, but I thought in my head, I'm going, he's not going to say anything about the rock punching. Cause that's just a John thing, but no, no, no. Apparently that rock thing got on a lot of people's nerves. I, I Googled it and apparently it is a thing. I'm not the only person that thought that was the stupidest thing they'd ever seen. Oh, good. You're in tune with everybody. Um, this is, do, do we get, um, 
um, Mer- uh, Martha or McGurgle or what's her name, his girlfriend or wife or whatever. Is she- Mia, yeah, yeah, Mia's Mia's back She's in it. Back? Okay, uh, yeah. The game opens, which is also interesting because uh, there was a choice to be made in Resident Evil Seven. One yeah. of them did not save Mia's life, but uh, this game definitely has a canonical ending to Seven, which is you saved your wife Mia, you got out of Louisiana, yeah. And you have now, it's been a couple years, I think, and you, uh, maybe only months, I don't remember what the timeline is, but uh, you are now living in this European village, kind of disconnected from everything. Basically, Chris Redfield got you out of there. Um, Ethan's undergone some military training, which maybe helps explain why this game's a little more shootery than uh, 7, which is what I would say. Um, This game feels like... This game feels like if you combined Resident Evil 7 with Resident Evil 4. Oh, interesting. And this is the end result of it. It's very much more action-oriented. It's very much about shooting. I, Scott, I will be surprised if the inventory upsets you. Really? Yeah, I, I keep hearing good things about the inventory, which surprised me to hear ever about a Resident Evil game. I don't even know what to do well, with that information. It blows me away. It's the Resident Evil 4 system where you can Tetris things. Yeah. I was forced to Tetris things one time. Okay. Other than that, it just sort of defaulted stuff where it needed to go. I was diligent about buying the inventory upgrades when it became available, because yeah. this game does do treasures and it has a merchant and all of that. Right. Uh, and anytime I could buy a bigger inventory, I did. But it it just worked. It was just fine. And then the one time it popped up and said, hey, you don't have room for this. I did a little inventory Tetris, and I was fine. I was good to go after that. I'm willing to bet for every one time it happened to you, which sounds like one time, it will yeah. happen to me five times. That's that's my ratio. I don't know. I don't know. You're going to have a pretty good guide who will have played through the game three times yeah. by the time you start. So That's uh, true. I'll rely. You can't rely on John to tell you that there's a vagina nest in the next room, but he will tell me if I'm effing up something with inventory. So you're right about that. Well, Here's the other thing, Scott. When you played Resident Evil 3, and this would have been my advice had I been your uh, guide in Resident Evil 2 for mm-hmm. the half you played. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there were plenty of times where I said, don't pick that up. Yeah. You don't need that yeah. right now. Just leave it on the ground. Yeah. This is a game where my solution to everything is pick it up. Oh, that's there's good. No, there's no reason to leave it on the ground. Pick it up. Put that, it in your inventory. That's good. Use it. Do what you got to do. That's good. That's really good to hear because I don't like that, that junk, that thing of like, well, I'll just leave it. I hate that. Oh, leaving stuff. That's effed. Don't leave things. Take everything is what I say. So I played Skyrim. I know what it means to pick up every damn thing you see and then and then do a cheat to have no encumbrance. I know what that's like. Anyway, uh, well, good. I think that serves as a pretty good review of the game. And uh, whether or not I'll have a good time, well, you have to tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Mountain, 3 p.m. Pacific, if you want to see me uh, struggle for the first session anyway. And my guess is based on your playthrough, like first playthrough without any of the, you know, unlocked cool gun, unlimited ammo stuff. How long did it take you to beat it? Uh, it took me about, I think it was like 12 hours, something like that. It's not bad. So let's yeah. see. That's divide 12 by two. Six sessions will beat it. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be a fun little series. I'll, I'll move you along at a at a clip. Like that's the thing. And and that's why 
I think there was an advantage in me playing it is I'm not there to play the game for you, but I am there. If you get stuck, you have somebody that can tell you where to go. Good point. I like that. Okay. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Whether or not, you know, the part of this is going to be a discussion with Bo about he was kind of on the fence about playing mass effect, uh, the mass effect trilogy coming out tomorrow, mass effect legacy. What's it called? Mass legendary, effect. legendary, uh, because, you know, do you play a game you played pretty thoroughly before? Do you do you pick it up and do it again? I think the answer from John is obvious. Yes. Um, I'm a little bit more like, well, I'm like Bo. I didn't, he didn't play the first game either. And so, um, I don't know for, for us, we're getting like a whole third of this as a new game, which I think may justify the price for me. It's like, I, I really loved two. I played most of, I played three, but don't remember 90% of it because I think I really half-assed my playthrough. So in a lot of ways, I'm getting like two thirds of this thing new and I'll actually yeah, focus yeah. this time um, and play it arguably in the way that's the best way to play it because you're getting the full deal. It's across the board consistency stuff like you're just going to go from game one to game two to game three. It's going to be. Yeah, I think I'm doing it. I think I'm doing it. And there's so much variety that like you can even just make different decisions than you made before and have a different outcome. Right. Right, that makes perfect sense. Okay, we have uh, we have come to the point of the show where John is going to deliver for us a fantastic oh, Dear boy. Martha Steam Review read, and I'm excited about this. You just got the one today, or what do you got over there? You got the- yeah, this week's is a real thing. Get. <laughs> <laughs> get get ready for it. Okay. I couldn't find one and I settled on this and it's a it's a thing. Awesome. This will not be for what do you call that other thing? Subverse. It's not that. It's something else, everybody. No, well, maybe it is. I don't know. That. It might be. I was looking at Subverse's uh, reviews. Their number one review is this is exactly what Mass Effect was supposed to be. Thumbs up. <laughs> you know? Uh yep. another one is just a single word, booba. B-O-O-B-A. <laughs> Let me tell you, as somebody who's looked at a lot of porn game reviews recently, there's a lot of people that's review is just booba over and over again. Yeah, booba. Before we do the Dear Martha, though, I did share this with you, and it was going to be today's Dear Martha, but I couldn't remember what game it was for. Mm. Um, But someone wrote a review, uh, a not recommended for a game, and it said, boring, but can't refund it because I've apparently had more than two hours. (laughs) And there's a little note that Steam puts on games that notes that this person received this product for free. <laughs> yeah, they got a code from the developer, played it for 2.5 hours, didn't like it, gave it a not recommended, and tried to return it, but couldn't because he played it for two. No, you couldn't for two reasons: the two more than two hours, and you didn't pay for it, dumbass. Oh, this guy. I wish there was a way to convert that into a good call or a good uh, dear Martha, but there really isn't. Uh, All right, here's the real one, though. Uh, We begin with this. My dearest Martha, today I present to you a review for Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2. What, clown? Are you feeling angry? Humiliated? Is that it, fool? You don't know what humiliation is. Don't worry, I will teach you its bitter taste, just as you have taught me. Me, a warrior elite. In my fingertips, I hold the power to destroy entire worlds. I am a Saiyan of royal blood, the last of my kind, and on my shoulders rests the glory of an extinct warrior race. Whole civilizations once trembled at the sound of my name, but you didn't. 
Did you, Kakarot? <laughs> and at your hands, your common hands, my honor and my pride, the foundation upon which I always stood began to crumble at my feet. It was at your hands that I suffered my first great humiliation, toppled by a piece of low-level trash. <laughs> Imagine my added shame when it was you and not me who avenged our people by defeating Frieza. You were the first to achieve the pinnacle of our race. The first in a thousand years to take a place among the Super Saiyans of legend. A place that I was raised to believe was my royal birthright. And imagine the disgrace I suffered when the strength I had worked my whole life to acquire was surpassed by a mere child. Your half-breed son had succeeded where I, the prince of all Saiyans, had failed. <laughs> It is time to take back what is mine. I will not live my life as your second. That time is over. Every breath you take is an insult to my honor. But no more, Kakarot. By my hand you will be cut down, inch by inch, the way you have cut down my pride. <laughs> Yours in this life and the next. Pleb underscore joke. <laughs> that I feel like I've learned more about the lore of Dragon Ball Z in this reading than I ever have in my tertiary watching of Dragon Ball Z or Dragon <laughs> Ball or any of the Dragon Ball spinoffs. I feel like I got more out of that than I, any of them. I think so. Chad is asking, isn't that an actual monologue from Vegeta? And uh, it, yes, I don't think they got it 100% right, but that is a monologue. That makes that. it even better. Uh, just a, another quick throwback to this, uh, this game. Uh, uh, what's it called? Subverse. Uh, my favorite review now is this guy that says, quote, uh, he's a thumbs up, recommended, quote, I hope my friends don't see this. That's the entire <laughs> review. I like that he wrote a review. Yeah, that's pretty good. I like that a lot. Well done. All right. The games we've played this week, outside of what we've already talked about, I'm back on Shipbreaker pretty hardcore, uh, outside of a single lockup, which super pissed me off. I have had no hey. problems. And um, they, oh, did I hear Bo's voice? Can you hear me? What? I hear what? like a, a distant bow. What? Jesus, Carabastin McClunky. Oh, my gosh, dude. I was. We thought you were never going to be here. Look at you now. Look at you now. I've said so many F-bombs in the past two hours. <laughs> what? What? Ha I mean, what's the short of it? What did it end up being? It's audio driver issues oh. with Discord specifically. Everything else works fine. Just Discord. Okay. Discord. It's it really sensitive to the sample rate at which... Your audio driver's running. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, right now I have it set to 16-bit 44 hertz, which is painful because it's the lowest setting. But I mean, like, I'm, oh, my God. <laughs> it's so, it's, I'm so, I'm, I, I'm, I think this is the most annoyed I've been. I'm less annoyed with the pandemic. Though. Oh, my gosh. Look at that. <laughs> That's high talk. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, hi. Nice. We're doing the middle of a show. You were doing something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're good. We were just, we just barely got to uh, the games we're playing. So it's a perfect time right, for well, you to join us. Wow. Okay. So I'm just going to leave everything alone because yeah. I got it to a place where I can participate. And no problem. Uh, you oh, can we're, even, we're, you games, even, we're on games we're playing. You don't even have to bring up video if you don't want, if it, if it ensures you've got a uh, more solid. No, no, you know, like Zoom works fine. Everything's oh, okay. fine. It's we'll hop in there. Discord, and I'll, uh, Discord does not like my computer and uh, my computer doesn't like Discord. If you hop in there, I'll, I'll add you to the, to the thing. Yeah. I'm this, on my way. This is great. Real time business. Um, all right. Well, that's great. Uh, yeah. Back into Shipbreaker pretty hard. And uh, I think it's uh, great, that game. I will say this, though. Uh, 
It's a more polished, finished version of the game. They've added a bunch of story. They have placeholder voiceover actors, which is good because some of them are definitely employees and you can tell. But uh, they they say on their notes, they're like, don't worry. These are all we're, we're getting professional VO for all of this. So these are just placeholders. But a lot of that story is in there. That's an interesting take what they're doing so far. I like it. Um, the ships themselves, I think, are slightly more, uh, slightly less unwieldy. It used to be um, a lot, a lot more fiddly on certain joints mm. to burn first, and like how how heavy of a thing can your can your tractor being moved? They've just made some of that stuff just feel better, and I'm happy about that. And uh, whoops, hold on, okay. Seeing if I saw Bo's name up there. It's not coming up for some reason. I don't know why it's not. I'm, I'm in. I'm in the Zoom, so people can see me. Not that audio listeners care, but why? I don't the people on you. Twitch want to see my face. I, I think I maybe, don't they don't. maybe they're happy. You're not in there. Uh, that's weird. So, are you on Shipbreaker hard, or are you playing it on hard mode? No, I'm just back on or hard. You, meaning, like you're going hooks. hard on the ship paint. Yeah, I'm going hard. Uh, so the 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 one thing that I will mention about it, since I've talked a bunch on the show about the, the progression of the system. I didn't know they were changing so much of this, but they completely overhauled the progression, the way progression works, which makes sense on the reset, right? That's why they had to reset it. Um, but it used to be to have a checklist, like a huge list of things they wanted you to do per ship breakdown. So they'd say, mm. we need this uh, five items that would be considered electrical. So like electric doors, the, the the heating element, you know, whatever other stuff that are considered electrical so you would you would do those and those would give you points and they were worth whatever. You also wanted to do or would say we need the reactor, we need two chairs, we need you know whatever. It had like this list of things you could get all of them, but they needed a minimum of those things to get these like bonus points that you use to advance your your equipment and stuff. And the rest was just money, like everything else was just would translate into cash. And if you burned it in the right place or put it in the right place, you got more money. If you lost it, you'd lose money and so on. The new system is a little, it's a lot different. It's basically a bar at the top of the screen that has salvage one, two, and three. And your job is to salvage everything and all things until you at least hit number three. And if you still got a bunch of crap left over after three, it's okay. If you leave it there, you can still burn it for extra money or you can just go away and save and, and get a new ship. Whatever you want to do, as long as you've hit three, you're kind of at the maximum potential outside a little bit of cash. So it's a vastly simplified system compared to the checklist thing. And I'm still kind of torn on which I prefer. I think what I prefer is like a combination of the two. Because I kind of yeah. liked having these. They're almost like side quests. It was like, oh, I got to find the data drive. I know what's in here somewhere. Oh, there it is. Sweet. I got the data drive. I got the points for it. Awesome. Like there was something about that list that made it feel like subquests in a weird way or side quests. But I also do like the streamlineness of just try to salvage everything, get the most money possible, maximize the salvage. And that's what this new system encourages. So my guess is they're going to end up with something that's sort of mixed. They'll still come up with a way to, 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 you know, have these other points awarded based on that list. I think they can do that pretty easily. Um, I mean, it almost seems like something that they could combine, right? Like, like they could put it as a part of the story. Like, hey, we're salvaging this to build something new, so we need to make sure that you specifically get chairs or, you know, recover this or recover that. So on this, uh, maybe on this salvage, it's important that you get individual items, but maybe on another salvage, uh, just, you know, salvage as much as you can. Yeah. Like, 
because uh, I I agree as you were as you were describing it, I was like, well, the checklist seems like a cooler. That sounds cooler to me because then you have to actually really struggle to you know, right? Find find what it what it's recommending. Like that's that's unique rather than just like oh, I broke down this ship real good. And that yeah, that, that's time. kind of my take too. I think that they could, I think that they want to, I, if I were them, I'd want to bring some of that feeling back because really it was mostly just a feeling, but also there was a feeling of kind of hunt it down, even though it wasn't necessarily difficult to find certain things. Data drives were hard because they'd be like floating in the, you know, the back end of the ship somewhere down below and, you know, I have to just sort of run into it and find it. But in other cases it was like, yeah, computer systems, they're all over the place. So get me six of them and then we're okay or whatever. The other nice thing about that system was if I screwed up, let's say one of them is you need to get the reactor out of there. Very common. Okay, great. I'll get the reactor out. The reactor is very volatile, very dangerous. Your guy gets all breathy when he's pulling it out. You can hear him in his helmet going, <laughs> kind of like freaking out or whatever. And if I blow that thing up and destroy half the ship, which sometimes happens, then that check mark goes red and I no longer can fulfill it. And there was something about that risk that was rewarding. Um, so I kind of missed that. Uh, I hope they I hope they rethink some of that because I, I think there's a chance there to make that better. Um, Have you uh, in any officially voiced dialogue or cheesy voice dialogue heard anybody go, boy, today's salvage sure is rough. I'm glad we're part of the homeworld universe, though, in this uh, salvage <laughs> no, operation. No, no confirmation as of yet. But there have been a couple of really interesting things that have happened so so when you look down you see the earth okay what does that remind me of you see the earth what's that from anyway <laughs> there's a song you, you see the earth oh it's a crystal method song anyway so the, okay. you see the earth down there and then up where you are it's this big giant you're part of a big apparatus and and this big giant ring there's multiple bays on it where there's someone like me doing what i'm doing um, not really, but that's the implication that they're they're all up there with the same job. And you're communicating with some of those people now in the story. You actually have these interactions. Um, but the there's stuff happening up in space now that is like freaky familiar. And I don't even know why. Like there was a giant sound. I, the other day I was like, what is that sound? Like, like some kind of rumble thing. And I'm, I get out of the ship and we hear... Uh, the guy comes over and he goes, oh, Cutter, we got uh, some kind of disturbance. And he uh, said something. I went out of the ship, looked up in the sky, and the sky kind of went dark kind of for a second. And then kind of Star Wars style, a giant freighter thing, just light speed popped into view. And I can't remember what they said. The guy said something on the radio about it. But something about that was very homeworldy. <laughs> I can't explain it. Like they're not saying it; it's not explicit, but you can tell that there's inspiration there. There just is. Um, I mean, half the oh, there's new ships. That's the other thing. There's these cool new frigates and warships, and just some rad stuff to tear apart. The interiors are more varied. Like it's just a cool update. I think they're doing great work. And and uh, outside of that progression question, which is just I'm just kind of back and forth on, um, I, that game just continues to get rad. And I hope they're I hope they're heading toward uh, a finished like 1.0 this year um, because I feel like they're that, they're that close. So anyway, that game's rad and I've said enough about it. All right. What else? ESO, lots of elder scrolls online. Some badass dragon shit went down here. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. At my hand. Did it I feel like, uh, like it could make a good theme park. Like, 
No, it like, felt. I stepped here, so Dragon leans forward and goes. Uh, <laughs> no, and then he goes back up, and no. then he leans back down. And goes. That's not uh, at all what it was like. It was like it was like. In fact, I died at one point uh, fighting a, a dragon and some of his minions, and it was like it's it was like a big uh, kind of raid fight, but with just me and a couple of NPCs, and and uh, never once did I go. Oh, it's like I'm in a ride where it's kind of scary, but I'm strapped in. It wasn't like that. I felt raw and real and awesome. And there were cool dragons everywhere, and I loved every second of it. So uh, that game continues to be awesome. I think I've done everything in the Elsewhere content now with maybe a couple of, like, you know, just the zone has some areas I haven't explored or something. But I've now moved backwards to something that came, I think, with the original game. And it's the whole orc story. And that stuff's crazy so far. Like, real weird. I'm, I'm loving. Are there dragons everywhere, or just in some spots? I mean, dragons are a part of the lore, kind of in general. Like you know, Skyrim's got dragons, and there've been. Well, yeah, but the whole thing about Skyrim was that the dragons were supposed to be extinct. Right, that's true. They're more. They're super common here, and there's this whole dragon hold place where they're coming from. There's a whole story there. Uh, but most of the game is not dragons. It's you know, this was the expansion with lots of dragon shit. And including like the random uh, every every expansion in the zones in that expansion, they have, you know, like every game has has world events like all MMOs. They all do of some sort. You know, Rift has their rifts and WoW has world bosses. And this game has kind of both those things, world bosses and a, and a rift style. But it depends on the, the thing. So the original game had the big giant ring in the sky open, the chains fly down and then you'd fight oh, a bunch yeah, of Daedra. Yeah, and then when you clear that rad rad loot and gold and stuff and some people would just farm the people love farming that just running around and finding those in elsewhere those events are dragons and they're up and you can see it on your map they're circling and you have so much time to get out there before they land so you can be a part of the fight and when they land you know like 40 people are out there picking away on a dragon and I died a lot in those, but, but those still go on in perpetuity. So you could, because the game scales with you, I can at level go do some of that dragon stuff in the original game, do some of those portals. Uh, I want to say in, um, Oh gosh, what was it? Somerset. I think they just had these weird like rifts in space that you could walk through and do a fight. Those usually, so that was their version of it. Um, but they, they're, those world events are happening and all over the place and they're all, they're all pretty cool. Um, I just really like it. <clears throat> the story's really good. The, the, the places I've gone things I've done, man, those cat people freaking love me, man. The Khajiit, they freaking love me. They worship me and they should, cause I did a lot of shit for them. Oh, wow. <laughs> it got dark right at the end. Then they yeah. should. I did all kinds of shit for them and they should be, they should be glad I was there. That's all I'm saying. Uh, so that's that ESO still a threat. Uh, we talked a ton about resident evil village. You know, let's just do a little something here. Bo, do you have any, have you, have you started it yet? Or are you guys doing your duo game soon? We're doing that Monday, start Monday at four. Uh, Bo, John nice. has beaten the game two and a half times already. Nice. Yep. That's true. And well, they're, you know, they're usually pretty short games. Kind of. I mean, it's still like, they don't feel short when you're scared out of your mind, I'm sure. But like, generally speaking, they're they're short. Well, for John, who somehow sees it all just mechanically, which I admire, uh, probably faster than somebody like me who literally has to stop to breathe. Like, I don't know how this is going to go. 
Somebody said I what should put. What am a, I to do? Someone said. Someone said I should put on a um a heart monitor for the chat to see and just have it. There's there's these kinds you can just throw to the screen and they can see what your heart rate is the whole and you, time. Can you, yeah, you oh, can hook yeah. it into OBS or whatever and yeah. put a little display on. Yeah, that's awesome. I you might do that. One hundred percent do that. <laughs> Although I'm, I mean I'm I wouldn't want to do it. I'd be freaked out that it was bad for me. But yeah. you know. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, Scott, you're going to get scared. I'm not going to I'm not going to pretend like this game isn't going to scare you. But I will say that if you've beat, in my opinion, if you've beat Resident Evil 7, you've beaten what I think is probably the scariest Resident Evil. Oh, I think seven was scarier than two remake, although I know you have kind of a special anxiety about being chased. So that one, I really, that hate elevated yeah, that Scott, one Scott has a... special anxieties. <laughs> I do. All bets are off. You're like, this is the mildest one. He'll probably lose his shit. That's yeah. Like I keep hearing. Okay, John, let me ask you this. There's supposed to be something in this new one in village that puts everything ever to shame. And there are multiple reviewers that have said, I don't want to spoil it, but there's a moment where I had to put the controller down and go like calm myself down. Uh, and then multiple actors. people have said, oh, well, um, I know the scene. I know the scene. Is there really something like that where? I'm guessing that it would be the thing that made my wife leave the room when <laughs> I was doing it. But okay. I don't know. It didn't. Is it more just gross and not scary? Is like, hmm. Well, I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil it, but I, here's here's what I'll say about Resident Evil Village. I guess I should talk more about, less about why it's fun to, to replay and just more about the game in general real quick. Yeah. So uh, it really is a, a game that feels like almost a celebration of Resident Evil because it's not really one style game. Like Resident Evil 7 was that sort of haunted house, but in first person, mm. you know, like that's kind of what that entire game was. Resident Evil 2 was your classic Resident Evil but with this like game of cat and mouse mixed in with it. And Resident Evil 8 is a lot of things, and it, it's kind of divided into six parts. Like There's sort of an opening, and then there's these kind of four acts right in the middle, and then there's a conclusion. And the four acts almost feel like they belong to their own separate games. Like, the first one... Uh, you know, which involves a lot of what we've seen. I mean, that's the other nice thing about this game is Capcom did not show you everything in their marketing um, because everybody thought that Lady Dimitrescu was going to be this main character through the entire thing, and she's not. She she's, doesn't factor into it all that much. Um, that takes up a small, a very small portion of the game. And that portion is the part that's like Resident Evil 2 Remake. That's the part where you're getting pursued and where you have to run and, and where there's kind of this thing that's hunting you that you can't fight back against. Um, but there are other parts that feel a little more like Silent Hill. And there are other parts that feel a little more like Resident Evil 5. And there are other parts that feel lifted straight out of Resident Evil 4. Oh, so there's all these weird little elements coming together uh, that reminds you of things throughout the series. And in a lot of ways, uh, depending on what you like about Resident Evil, um, there's going to be something that really speaks to you. For some people, if you just like that series overall, you'll like the whole thing because mm -hmm. it pays a lot of homage to the series overall. But uh, I think that I think I know what they're talking about. It has to do with what would kind of be the second act of the four acts in the middle, mm -hmm. which is a, a bit more psychological. They take your weapons away. Um, they go a little crazier 
and I I think that's probably what it's in reference to, mm. and we'll uh, we'll see. Get we'll see how Scott reacts to it. Yeah. I will say it it should have probably it did disturb me a little bit um, based on what it was, but uh, I was fine. I would think I would be guessing that that's what people are talking about. Okay, and the, um, hmm. the most disturbing thing in the game prior for me was uh, Vagina Bug Lady. That one really, really haunted me. Stuck with me. I'm not even sure I played that part with you. I may have been on my own then. Um, yeah, I think I think it was you or maybe uh, you and Carter. Maybe. Might have been. Oh, did I subject her to that nightmare? I might have. I think, I think you might have. I hated that lady. The one that was like humping the wall and leaving eggs on it and all. Ugh, dude, geez Louise. Is there stuff like that? I assume there's grody stuff like that, right? Grody. There's some <laughs> gross stuff in this game. I don't think there's anything that bad. There's no putting your hand in a poopy toilet or down the neck cavity of a corpse. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I hated those moments. <laughs> that's a disappointing thing to hear. <laughs> Yeah, because those two moments, they, I mean, th- that last game was a lot of gross out. And part of it, I think, is they were just trying to freak VR users out in a way. Like, here's our chance for a game in VR. Nobody's done this before and largely succeeded at doing that. But it was also, hey, let's let's really go for the visceral whatever. This game doesn't even support VR, right? Village, I don't think. No, I yeah. don't think so. Which is a, that's a strange f- flip uh, that they decided not to do that. But anyway. They definitely rolled back on the horror a bit. Um, and that's not to say that it isn't there. there. The game is scary. The game does have its scary moments. Uh, I'm a little immune to it for some reason. I don't know why, because I feel like I don't feel like I'm a particularly brave or can't be scared person. But for some reason, it just doesn't impact me quite as badly as it hits other people. Yeah, video game horror for you is like movie horror for me. Doesn't bother me. I just, I enjoy the ride and I don't think about it when it becomes interactive. That's where I, that's where I get lost. I think yeah. that's the difference. Like Subnautica terrified me. Um, oh yeah. That game's scary as shit. <laughs> so there are, there are games out there that have scared me. I was, I too terrified to play Subnautica. I played it for a little bit and went, I'm extremely uncomfortable all the time, but I've always been a little, touchy when it comes to underwater yeah stuff, water, so. water stuff and glass going kink, 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 when you're down too low and weird shit like that i can't deal with that very well i've that's funny because i fired that up like a week ago going i'm in the mood for subnautica i'm gonna do this and it doesn't even matter whether i do creative mode or the other mode it doesn't matter i am i'm, I'm uncomfortable and nervous and scared the whole time i can't play that game i can't do it even though it's like one of the best of its kind right maybe the best of its kind but I just, I can't, I can't freaking do it. I've been iffy about underwater creatures ever since Shadows of the Empire on the N64. That game really did it to me. Yeah. There's something about, and that was gross too, because that was poop water. Yeah. They had that a was, bunch of Dianogas yeah. floating around in poop water coming after you. Yeah. And then at the very end, there's a spot where you, like the, the water texture is just a solid texture, because that was the era we lived in. Yeah. And you go through it, and there's a damn Sarlacc pit under there. And I remember thinking that was just the most terrifying thing <laughs> in the world to me. And now I'm afraid of everything that's underwater ever since then. Yeah, so. water water can be weird. Yeah, and the new, the Subnautica, it's not Subnautica 2, it's their, their fault. Well, I guess it is a sequel. It's their follow-up, the frozen one, the cold one. What's it called? Uh, Sub Sub-Zero? Subnautica Sub-Zero, is that it? Scorpion. Scorpion wins. 
Yeah, I don't know what the deal is with that, but I don't think I'll be playing that because it just it's just if you hey, you know what? My, my, here's why you make underwater worse: put a, a sheet of ice over it so I can't get out. That's worse. Oh yeah, that seems <laughs> that seems rough. You try to go up and your head just hits something. Yeah, that's no good. Anyway, that'll start Monday. Should be a fun time. Look forward to that. And then, of course, you know, Final Fantasy fourteen still still part of John's DNA. Mm-hmm. How's that going? Yeah, I don't. I you know, it's fine. It's good. Yeah, I'm on the new expansion, so just plugging away at that. Yeah. Not a lot to say. It has been mostly Resident Evil, but you know, any chance to remind you about a great MMO with some phenomenal dragon storytelling? I mean, <laughs> what's funny is, I mean, it came out a lot more before what you were doing in ESO like yeah. it's older yeah. um but you know there was a whole expansion based around dragons and like a whole section like a whole hive of dragons almost and sure. you know it feels almost lifted based on what you were saying like yeah. a, like a very similar idea that they took but uh-huh you know i i think it's fine nobody nobody really said it ruined anything so i guess they didn't nail it quite as well cause well did did they look like did the dragons there's the important part did the dragons look like a combination of uh predator faces and anuses is that is that some what of them achieved? because okay. you see what's what's so great about final fantasy dragon yeah. scott is yeah. that there's a variety yeah. it's not like looking at the same dragon every time like oh this one uh is raving so it's got some you know the lights to it we put neon on it because it likes to get down um like they actually you know they got different art styles some are more serpentine some are more your traditional fare i even saw some you'd really like it because they uh instead of having four legs and wings the the arms turn into wings Mm. um they didn't look like they had to dude bro out at the gym constantly just Mm. for validation Mm. so maybe you would have thought they looked wimpy because i know you're big on the muscles you kind of come from the trogdor school of (laughs) dragons but uh you know there's a there's a variety of them it's hard to today's dragon beef is hard to compete with i have to admit john's really on point uh i forgot to play this dragon beef well, all right. There's your dragon beef for the day. Bo, Joe almost called you. Bo, how's Yakuza 0? You're uh, probably playing this on uh, Game Pass, I assume. Uh, yeah, so I got curious. I decided to try out the Yakuza 0. You ever played a Yakuza game before? Or you know, days for, deciding which one to start with. Is this your first nope. Yakuza experience? Have you played First before? Yakuza experience. Oh, and it wow. wasn't, you know, I'm just trying stuff on Xbox, right? I'm like, I want to play a game on my Xbox. Hmm. Let's. What's this Yakuza about? Oh my god! <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> so good. I'm not it's surprised so that you like this. It seemed like your kind of thing when I was playing it. Um, I mean, I don't love it. I really like. There's stuff I really love about it, and there's yeah. stuff I'm like, I can't do seven games of this shit. Mm. Like, seriously, I spent an entire day managing my hostess bar and getting to S tier, talking to the girls, training them on how to be great with men and extract more money from them, taking them on dates so they can practice interacting, feeling a little gross about it, but also having more of a good time than I'm willing to admit, Yeah, you know, bringing in all those Johns and, and getting, getting them to, well, you know, the not J-O-Ns, but the J-O-H-Ns. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's yeah. keep that straight. You Sorry, don't know John. what those guys are going to get up to. No. Get that H in there, and they get up to all sorts of business. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about, maybe it's a derogatory term. We shouldn't call them Johns. It makes all the Johns of the world look bad. We should call them uh, bringing in all the Daniels. The Daniels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Daniels. That helps. Bringing in, in all the Eugenes. It somehow and, fixed it. Um, I don't know how, but it did. Yeah. 
Uh, well, anyways, so you know, it's just. Anyways, Yakuza. Where to begin with that? Game. Are you doing the karaoke and all that dumb stuff? Yeah. So here's what I've learned, and I mean, it's only based on Zero, which is a later entry, even though it's chronologically first. So yeah. I don't know if this is true of all the games, but like any open world game, you got mini games. You know, even Assassin's Creed has it. Like all these games, they have to put mini games in there, and in the good ones. They're mostly avoidable. You do them for the achievement. Maybe you do one game as part of a story, so they introduce it to you. So, but you know, they're kind of there, right? I think it's Orlog and Valhalla Creed or Valhalla's Assassin's Creed. Um, <laughs> you know, Creed. Yeah. you can do it, but you don't have to. Yeah. Um, this thing is, it's like, you know, uh, uh, they might say, hey, let's put a couple mini games in to make it feel like the world. This thing is like, let's put every mini game we can think of that has been ever made into a game mm. and then let's make sure it's really important to the story it, 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 you know in a way because some of the mini games but generally they include like there's one quest that i spent four hours on uh because that there's this uh disco it's a side quest granted but i got challenged to a dance-off <laughs> And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not having it. But then she wouldn't dance off with me until I beat her uh, protege and then second in command and then third one. And holy crap, is she hard. I had to learn how to be good at Dance Dance Revolution on the controller. <laughs> and I spent four hours learning to master it. I had to spend so much time practicing that I aced all of the songs. You like, you know, you can get one star, two star, three star. And I'm like, well, I'm that, this close to the, the completion list achievement mm -hmm. and the completion points unlock abilities that improve your character. So I'm like, well, now I, I just I three start all the songs in the in the disco <laughs> and then beat her. And I spent four hours on it. Mm. So it's like, this is a mini game. I didn't, I want to, I want to play Yakuza, not mini game. And I'm, I'm somewhat irritated, but I somewhat understand that that is the Yakuza deal. Because they're mafia. They're in the neighborhood. This isn't like, oh, I'm in some fantasy world or some historic time. It's like, no, you literally are a part of the community that you're bullying out of money or whatever, right? Like, right. that's the whole deal. Which is frustrating because the story is so damn good. It's so damn Japanese. And it's so damn Yakuza. They're like, <gasps> Like, they get so mad. And, you know, and your, your guy, like, Kiryu, which is the main guy, the more, like, gravel uh gravel throat mchotness style character you know everyone's like you need to fall in line with the yakuza and he's like no i don't think i will <laughs> he's just like you know they're like you know the, the yakuza you listen to your boss and i want you to kill that person he's like no i won't kill that person and you know and, and, and they're like what and they're just like i will beat you with my fists yeah and, and it's just like on and on the same thing and what's great, I don't know if it's like this in later entries, but what's great about this one is that it's this insanely violent game, right? I mean, I'm punching a guy in the face, smashing his head into cement and kicking him in the nuts and he flies across the, the battlefield. But killing is this big deal. Like, all of a sudden, it's like, can you go to this place and kill someone? And it's like, kill someone? Whoa! Like, and nobody wants to actually kill anybody. And it's a really big, dramatic deal. And, of course, deaths do happen. But I just, I love that they go from beating people up and then they go to sing karaoke like you and your brother are like, oh, yeah, serious Yakuza stuff. They like, want to do karaoke? Yeah, let's do karaoke. And then all of a sudden they're doing karaoke and it's the most stupidest thing. Oh, the karaoke is so good, though. It I is love so good. that it. I love that it starts in the bar 
with them just kind of drunkenly singing, but then goes to how they picture it in their head as like rockers in rock outfits with pyrotechnics and all of that behind them. Yes. Mm. And yeah, the mini games, they go out all out on them. Like they're really, they're really fun. Um, I just can't believe how detailed some of them are. There's a pocket racer one that I haven't started yet. Um, Anyways, I did so much. I think I've spent more time playing mini games than the actual story. Although I'm getting, I'm getting back to it because I finished all of Majima's sub stories, mm. the hostess thing, and I got a lot of the sub quests done. I actually have one sub story missing, but and then I'm like, I got to go back to the main character Kiryu, and uh, and uh, do his stuff. I still have a lot to do there. Mm. Yeah, it's he's a great the game. main character, but Majima is the character yeah. I'm most interested in playing. So Majima, I think, is like an antagonist, kind of chaos guy that you don't ever play as, except for maybe in this one. I, I don't know. I want to play the rest of them, but I really don't want to play it. Like, I've put, I think, 50 or 60 hours into this game <laughs> in one week. Like, I've played a lot. And I'm not done. <laughs> I'm so far from done. Um, I wonder if there's a number. Someone somewhere's got, like, a total hours possible played for all the yakuza games if you if you yeah there, there was a website i looked at because i was like is this the longest one like you know and it's like what's the average length and i'm like to do like you kind of want to go completionist a bit on this because they give yep. you a completion list and it's not achievement right it's how you unlock things right like it's how i got burned to the skill tree it's it's part of the game it's like if you're playing this game you want to do the mini games in a way and you know, I have a stance on on open world games, you know, and I'm just like I'm doing it. I'm playing. I'm doing dumb shit in an open world game, but I really like the the carrots. You know, the the cutscenes are so dramatic. You know, at one point there's a blind girl you're trying to save, and you're you're walking the streets with this blind girl trying to save her, and it's just it's so dramatic and primal. And I'm like, man, the storytelling in this. I wish more games had the kind of storytelling in this game. It's like they hired writers to make a good story, not generic, like, the kingdom is in peril. Mm -hmm. You must go to the top of the mountain (laughs) and eat a banana in order to speak to the dragon. You know, it's like boring-ass crap. It's like, this story is actually like, they put the characters in weird predicaments and moral quandaries. They don't want to do it. They struggle. They have antagonists in the form of their own Yakuza bosses who are like, you get over yourselves, like... The writing's really good. Like, I would watch it as a TV show, and I think what I might do is, for the sequels, I might just watch the YouTube, like, cutscenes-only story and skip the 90 hours because I actually really dig the characters of the story. It's just, it's a lot of filler, you know, content, essentially. For sure. Um, I found the top 10 Yakuza games and their completion. So if you're a completionist, the first game, which is what you're playing, essentially. Zero is a, a remaster of the first game. Uh, 25 and a half hours of completionist play. Now, that's if you do all the bare minimum completionist Wait, stuff. no. Yakuza Zero is not a prequel. Oh, I thought it, it was, it was, a, it was Oh, no, it was, It's right. a prequel. It's not a remake. Use, right. So, and it came after five, I think, or six. Right, you're right. But um, Sorry, one, I'm sorry. Here's the real number. Yakuza yeah. Zero, 140 plus hours. Sorry. Yeah. That's, that's there, the it <laughs> there it is. There it is. The original one might be like 40, but. Yeah, yeah, the original Yakuza on PS2 was 25 and a half hours. Yakuza 2, 40 hours. 3, 51 hours. Uh, Yakuza Kiwami 2, 74 hours. Kiwami 1, 80. And Like a Dragon, the one John played recently, 97 and a half hours. 
These are long so Ka- games. Four Ka- is eighty. Kawami, Kawami one and two are remakes of one and two. So oh, are they? Okay, them. so they're yeah, yeah, longer it, than the originals. Which I, is I guess crazy. I don't know what Kawami means. I think it means remake. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Yakuza five, uh, one hundred and twenty hours. You're currently playing the longest one though. So, yeah, it, it, well, it definitely feels that way because they're giving two characters. I think, I think it's like you know watching Clone Clone Wars at the end. These are long stories of Anakin and Obi Wan, so they're going. You know, if you didn't know who they were, you'd be like, "Why are they spending? You know, who are these people?" Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of that. Like Majima, I think, is like a beloved from the. It's a prequel about characters that you know from their later stories. So I think some stuff is lost on me a bit. The significance of it. Mm-hmm. Or some of the irony, because I think Majima turns out to be a, kind of a bad, crazy person, and I just assume Kiryu is just the same the whole way through, because he's that like yeah. silent antagonist. <laughs> he's like, "You need to go here and kill someone. Kill someone? <laughs> no, I don't think I will. I'll do things my way." And it's just like, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna fight you!" And then you know they, they fight. Like that's the <coughs> excuse. But I also just love how like it's 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 like you know. I guess it's depicting a time and a place, but Japan is like Japanese culture. And if you're Japanese, uh, this is going to be offensive, but I'm, it's still my impression. I think if it's as much like visiting an alien planet as you're ever going to experience without actually be, meeting aliens. <laughs> I think like, that's okay to say. It's like it's a, it's, it's, it's relatable sure. because you know we're all human, but like the rigid sense of honor and respect, and like you know they're in this. The the collectibles, mm-hmm. you collect these weird videos of, I think, over 18 girls that look very young in bikinis. Mm. And then yeah. and the way you watch these is you go to a store, there's a clerk, and he's like, oh, I'll get you a room set up. You go into a room, there's a VHS player, and you hear the VHS pop in. It plays the video, and then... They sh- and there's an ashtray in this room and a box of Kleenex. And at the end of the video, they cut to the Kleenex, and your guy goes, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, I don't know about this this one. And and the other thing is, the collectibles are there are these telephone cards with pictures of girls on them, and you got to collect them all. And then there's a guy who's like, man, I don't collect the cards, but I just really like looking at them. When mm-hmm. you collect a set of three, show me, and I'll give you five million yen. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> and there's even an NPC called Mr. Libido who walks around in a pair of uh, briefs. Or, or not briefs. Yeah, br- briefs is a brief. Yeah, you know. yeah briefs. Yeah. Underwear and briefs. pelvic thrusting, and he's like, I'm Mr. Libido. I got to keep it up all the time. And he's like, do you want to know where the hot girls are? Yeah, and he's like, I saw you going into that video store, man. Th- those videos, they really get me cranking. And you're just like, yeah, me too, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then he helps you find other videos. And it's just like, there's this, you know, and I'm like, this is Japanese culture. I, It's just hard to imagine Gears of War. Phoenix is like, hey, man, where the F is the goddamn tele- the videos of the hot girls? Mm-hmm. Like, you just wouldn't see it in, you know, an American game. And just all kinds of stuff like that, man. It's... It's cool. It's gross when it's gross, but it's cool when it's cool. And it's like the honor stuff and the, you know. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, I enjoyed the brief time that I had with Yakuza. It was more of like a, I don't know why it didn't hold me. I think something else came out or I don't know what the deal was, but it's there. A lot of filler. It's like, it's, it's not, it's an RPG. And that's what I'm saying. It's like some RPGs are in fantasy land. Some RPGs are 
like cyberpunk. This one's like it's Japan. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and and you know I've been kind of hooked on it because it's sort of fresh in the sense that it's not a it's an unusual trope for for video game. And the other one last thing that's a real big benefit to Yakuza is that while it's an open world game. The open world is small. <laughs> I'm not running across an entire city in 50 damn like subdivisions or whatever. It's actually, thankfully, very concentrated area, which I like. It's so a lot like actual uh, Tokyo in a lot of you ways. Know, you know, it's like double the size of a Deus Ex game or something, or maybe even like there's two zones in this one, so you know maybe yeah. four times. But like, it doesn't feel huge. It feels like I know the neighborhood. And it takes me, you know, maybe a minute to get somewhere. It's nice. And so hold on. Is this the one where the um, the telephone, you have to save a telephone thing? Yeah, you save the yeah. telephone. I Oh, my God. There's an hour of intro, and then I shut off my Xbox, and I had to start again at the beginning. <laughs> same I didn't hit a save thing. point. God same damn it. thing. I did the exact same thing. I would have loved some sort of just autosave that, you know, yeah. in case you screwed up. But is that true of all of them, John? Like, all these games are that way? You got to save at the thing? I don't know. I've only played uh, I've only played Zero and Like a Dragon, so I'm on the bookends of this, which I'd actually be interested to see what Bo thinks of Like a Dragon when he wraps up Zero. But yeah. If he goes through all of them, he's got he's got a ways before he we'll gets see, there. We'll see. We'll see. I also, you know, want to get the, the one prevailing thought while I was playing this is like, well, it's a good game. It's not cutting edge, right? Like, you know, like they're a little poly polygolitical polygolinical you know <laughs> they're, they're a, yeah. the, the fidelity on the graphics polygonal it's polygonal like a dragon um, is an, is definitely an uptick though i think yeah for sure but there's a little part of it, it's like you know i did buy cyberpunk and i did sort of step away i'm like why don't i just play cyberpunk yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> so i might just get back to cyberpunk and give that another effort yeah because i really like you know cyberpunk star like i really want to play it i just kind of fell off uh, for there's a momentum, I think, loss essentially on it. In spite yeah. of my complaints about it, I'm like, I could be playing Cyberpunk. Like it wasn't, you know. So I might, I might just finish Yakuza and then make my way back over to Cyberpunk for a spell. Sure. I, it's seven games still to go, man. If they're a hundred hours, like this is my life. This, <laughs> like this is 2011 or 2021 for me. If I'm like commit to playing all the games, like right. all I'm going to be talking about is you know. Uh, uh, cards with girls on it and you know what'd you do this week well i you know beat up some chinese men they're, they're, that's literally an enemy type there were chinese men chinese that i had men. to fight yep. <laughs> at one point and 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 then um you know i don't know i don't know if i can do it for that long i need the variety well i really like well, i mean you should definitely change it up but I, I would be curious to see if this is a series you revisit. Yeah. And more, I would say, more interested in at least what you think of how Yakuza plays with a turn-based battle system mm-hmm. instead of an action one. Yeah. There's still going to be an action one. Oh, I don't know. Like, there's a Judgment series, I think. Is that Yakuza or is that something different? Mm, I don't know. I mean, there was news this week that they said that they're they're doing the turn-based thing from here on out. Like that's the new yeah. Way. They were doing turn based, and then for the judgments entries, they're doing action. So it's like they're doing going to do both. I don't know and what judgment franchise is. Them out. I just don't know if they're both Yakuza games or not. That's all. Uh, there might be a there might be a sub series sort of thing. Yakuza they, Judgment. Oh, okay. It is a spinoff. Lost Judgment. Uh, launching this fall. That one keeps the real time combat. Okay, I hadn't heard of that. Yeah. Wow, yeah, what a what series, either, dude! Honestly. What a nutty series this is. 
It's uh, all yeah, over the place. It's it's crazy. Uh, anyway, I think the this, the story aspect is really well done. I think that I think if there wasn't a good story, I'd be pretty pretty out. Like uh, you know, it's just I like the story a lot. Yeah, I've heard the same thing yeah. from many people. They're like, yeah. it's an awesome story that has a game around it. And you got to play the game to see the story. But like you said, like you've, you could maybe tear through the main game here and then watch the rest of these in succession on, uh, I mean, yeah, I could do the cutscenes only thing. I mean, the thing is the side missions do kind of, you know, endear you to the characters and mm-hmm. stuff, but there is a, the side missions are pretty like, you know, they're not very boring or particularly fun or they're not particularly interesting except for the character story that comes along with it. Sometimes, sometimes the story's bad. Too. Are you doing no, subs there's or one dubs? One where Steven Spielberg wanted to make a movie, and uh, <laughs> that was pretty exciting. Very exciting. Do you, did you do subs or dubs, Bo? Are you uh, reading subs? Oh, or? is there? I said full Japanese. Oh, I, I thought. I think there's a way to switch it over. I love dubbed video games because they're so bad. I love oh, that. I should check if there's English because sometimes if the, if they're dubbed good, then they're like you know, Gurren Lagon is like. Is has great dubbing, you yeah. know. Like it, it depends. It depends. Gurren Lagann. No, oh. I'm just listening to. Hello, <laughs> and it's just like it's just nothing but. <laughs> I'm trying to pick up Japanese by. You're gonna learn by osmosis game. here. I like it. Yeah. That's fantastic. If um, he plays all seven games, it might happen. It might happen. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, I watch enough anime too with that. It's it's a hard language to pick up though. Yeah. I watched. Uh, I started watching an anime series this week uh, called. I'm sure everyone knows about it, but me, Black Lagoon. Never heard of it until now. Apparently, it's popular, no. and a lot of people really like the girl that's in it. But anyway, it's like um, I don't know. It's kind of their take on kind of a Fast and Furious style, you know, mercenaries for hire kind of modern tale thing, and it's super anime and lots of lots of gore and, and action, which is what I was looking for. And I think it's good. I like it like it a lot remy is it or Rezzy is the girl people really like her but yeah it's it's um it's closer to whatever cowboy bebop is in terms of anime styles like it's mm-hmm. a little more my thing revy is her name okay she's this smack talking angry mercenary chick that works with the team and and it's i'm listening i'm doing the dubbed version which i think is actually quite good um yeah it's on hulu i guess i like it that's cool. Seems good so far. I'm going to keep at it. All right. Uh, well, that's it for games we played. And now this. That's a good question. A quick email. Two emails. One of them. I'll read this first one. The last one first because it's just a nice thing to say. Amy from Australia wrote in to uh, talk to the core at gmail.com and said, Hey, guys, was just listening to your podcast from a couple of weeks ago when a fellow Aussie, Mark, wrote in. So I thought I should, too. Anyway, I work at EB Games here in Australia. It's a uh, basically GameStop that we have here. And wanted to broaden what I listen to so I, uh, so, so I can also chat more with my customers about stuff I don't play. I was a longtime listener of The Instance and recently found myself moving away from WoW. So I looked for something different on the Frog Pants Network. And boy, have I not been disappointed. I've been listening now for about seven months. And you guys never fail to make me laugh or smile with your banter, at game knowledge, etc. Thank you, by the way. I've spent so much more on games that I wouldn't have even thought of if it wasn't for listening. Anyway, keep up the amazing work making my week whatever the new podcast drops uh kind regards amy i just thought that was really nice so thanks amy it was really nice it. my favorite thing about this email though is that the name mark is in quotes mm-hmm. which might be appropriate but it just makes me feel like this aussie 
Mark. Mark. Like, yeah. If Mark, if like, there's real. really going to be an Aussie <laughs> here by that name. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't feel bad. EB Games in Canada too. It's uh, it's not just an Australian GameStop. It's also a Canadian GameStop. So we share that in common. That's true. Gaming. We used to also have them here, and then they rolled into GameStop. So you know, we had EB. Uh, for when a long I time. when I worked at GameStop, EB Games was the competition. Yeah, yeah. Then they rolled them in and bought them and software, etc. Same thing. And then they bought them. They just kept I, buying everything. The first GameStop I worked at, they had been purchased by that point, but we still were called Software Etc. So oh, that's really? Was a Software Etc. That's where I got all my Genesis games back in the day. That's where I would go. Software Etc. Yeah, it was in the mall. And uh, I think I bought my first PlayStation at one on day one, on launch day, PlayStation 1. Yeah, I have a lot of memories there. I like that place. And it was just two doors down from Sabaro Pizza, which was no, only two more doors down from the uh, arcade that I hung out in all the time. So a lot of fun. We were, by, the, by the way, oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, and I recommend anybody get a job at the mall uh, for while they're still around yeah. before they all go away. Uh, that's a great place to, to work. Yep. Uh, but we were not that, I mean, we weren't far from the food court, but we were across the way from a Victoria's Secret. Yeah. That's what, that's what we had next to us was a Victoria's Secret. Nice. Big panty uh, ads. Nice. We just looked out the, we looked out the front door and it was nothing but pink. Yep. As far as the eye could see. Cut to a camera of a, of a Kleenex and a guy going, ah. All right. <laughs> Sorry, bone blew my mind with that. I'm never going to forget it. Um, but what? The, your thing with the guy, with the, the, the Yakuza guy going, ah. Oh, ah. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you seem so shocked. Ah. I feel like you just told us that story. Um, I, right. know, my, I had a moment where my brain just went empty. Like, I forgot I was doing a show. I didn't know what I was doing. My, and so that's why you were saying stuff. And I was like, oh, what's this about me? It just kind of snapped me back into reality. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> well, I love comments like this because uh, more and more we're just people are discovering the core has got yeah. something to say. And it really makes me happy. So I find anyway. it nice that I do this for people because that's I've certainly been on the other side, even listening to Scott's shows before I was ever even had a microphone in my face. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was going to say, um, don't feel there's another person saying, I'm kind of drifting away from wow. Don't feel bad. Everyone who's drifting away from wow. There's a lot of this going around right now. And 15 years into the game, it feels like maybe you're breaking up with your longtime marriage or something. But if you're, if you're feeling a little unsettled there or just not in getting what you used to get or whatever it is, don't feel bad. Look, we should have a support group or something. It's, it's Okay. Go mess around with some other stuff. You're fine. You may come back. You may not. It's okay. I think especially now too. Yeah, because we're in, we're playing in video games way more because we have we can't go out and give variety to our life. Right. So you're like you're getting it at home, playing a video game, waking up, playing a video game all day, and then going to bed is a way different feeling than if you like I don't know at least went to your job or went for a walk or even saw the neighbor or you know it's like yeah. You know, we're bound to get a little like ugh, cabin feverish, and it's the, totally fine. And also, and I know, know there's a bunch of other stuff that John very kindly explained <laughs> this week to me about World of Warcraft. Yeah, that was actually on. a really good conversation. Um, so. You guys should have seen that; it was good. Um, but I, I, yeah. yeah, I vent a lot. I used to have a Wow show where I could vent about all this, and now we. Uh, oh, you're not yeah, doing I, it? No, they can't. Well, we it. don't do it weekly anymore, and when we do do it, uh, we. Like we just devoted our whole last episode to ranking the top twenty changes in the Star Wars Special Edition. Oh, so that's the really a really good Wow podcast is uh, <laughs> is what we 
That's what we're doing. I mean, there's more happening in Star Wars than there is in WoW with all the Bad Batch coming out and all that. I mean, why not, man? Yeah. Oh, my God. So. Bad Batch. I didn't think I was going to like that show, and I like that show. I, yeah. I'm surprised. Are we, I we're in like two, three episodes, right? I, I think it's time for me to jump on. I haven't seen it yet. I want to. Though. It's two episodes that is I it? know of. Maybe the third this week. Okay. I'm into it. Do you watch Clone Wars? Uh, a lot of Clone Wars. So I know about the Bad Batch. I understand kind of the origins. Um, but it seems like my kind of thing, like absolutely something I'd be interested in. So I am going to it's, at, it's, watch it. Yeah. So far, it seems like season the next season of Clone Wars, basically, yeah. just without the, without the Jedi. I'm down. I like that. My favorite things in Star Wars are without the Jedi, personally. So mm-hmm. um, I'm in. Uh, here's uh, one more from NPC. Uh, the non-player character wrote in and said, regarding Trials of Steel, number one. Wanted to recommend Trials of Cold Steel to John, possibly Bo as well. Epic JRPG with all the tropes. Yep. Complex battle system reminiscent of Materia in Final Fantasy VII. Yep. Relationships. Yes. Um, I'm only on the first game and there are four in the series with the characters moving throughout. I'm not recommending this to Scott because it is full of, quote, anime bullshit, unquote. Yeah, I might (laughs) like it. You never know. Like you say. always say that, and then you always go, eh, it's full of anime bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you kind of got served there. Yeah, bit, Scott. you're not wrong. I, I admit it. I'm all over the place on that stuff. It just depends on my mood. I, I watched Akira this week. I love Akira. And I know Akira. Akira that's, that's easy. That's I know easy. it's easy. I effort. know. You're like, know. you know it's not. Yeah. I know it's easy. It's kind of like, what's it, uh, uh, What's the other one? Um, the robot lady. Uh uh, ghost in the shell. Ghost in the shell. They're the easy targets. I get it, right? Like those are the like, ones that make it over the pond in a, in a way that's a little more mainstream or whatever people. You're know only going to not like those things if you don't like good things. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. and there are those people out there. You know, yeah. They, they, you know, they're like, oh man, the new Adam Sandler film. Yeah, but they're like Pulp Fiction. Oh, I didn't get it. <laughs> You know, those people exist. They do exist, and it's okay for them to exist. And I do like yes, chunks fine. of anime. What I don't like is when I say anime bullshit, I'm talking about like just the tropes and nothing more. Like I like my time in Yakuza because it's more than the, than the tropes. It's it's like a legit story that goes places, but also has the goofy. And I like the goofy. The goofy's great. Um, I use this now on the morning stream whenever Canada comes up. We have a story about Canada. Canada, rather. I play this right here. Where is it? Oh, shit. Did I lose it? No, it's right here. Canada! Which is not Canada at all, but it's Canada. That's an anime. Canada! Yeah. Yeah. Canada! That came from Akira, and I'm going to use it. Singing the Canadian anthem and starting, oh... Canada! (laughs) Oh, Canada! (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, be like Tetsuo and become a giant flesh beast. Okay. my point, Scott, is that there are shows out there that I think you would genuinely like that have a ton of stuff where I'm like, oh, this is so up Scott's alley. Like shows like Trigun, where it's like in the desert, it's a wasteland, it's a bunch of steampunk stuff, it's a bunch of weird looking dudes with disfigurements and uh, biomechanical bits glued onto them. Yeah. And it's just 100% up your alley. But because every now and then the main character goes, what? has a dumb face you're like i can't watch this <laughs> well it's not that he just does it every once in a while it's in trigon i swear it was the first 10 minutes that's all it was it was just yeah, like you're supposed to think this guy's a goof and not dangerous at all so that when he becomes dangerous you're like this is shocking he was a goof before yeah i don't know 
I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is I'm trying to, you know, broaden my horizons. There's a couple things on Netflix I want to try too that look cool. And I'm really excited about the new season of, um, uh, uh, what's it called? Castlevania. It's Castlevania. Because that's my kind of like violent, over the top, ridiculous thing. And I know it's not, you know, some traditional anime and it's probably the most, you know, it's super Western and all that, but the dub's really good and it's just cool. And I liked Full Metal I, Alchemist. I watched that, Kefez. That's an amazing thing. That was great. Did you watch Kill the Kill? No. You should give that a shot. Should I? Don't be scared of the don't be scared of the boobies. Kill la kill. I'm not afraid of boobies. They don't scare me. Um <laughs> Okay, then you'll you'll yeah, then this is what you need to be watching. It's a limited run. It's only twenty four episodes. It's kill it's goofy and insane, kill. but it's good. Okay. It's got a lot of it's got a lot of uh heart. It's on uh Amazon. It's on it's on Netflix. Or Netflix, I think. yeah. It's a yeah. whole series? Okay. And watch it watch it in English. The voice it's one of those ones where the voice acting in English is really great. It's actually superb. Okay. It's, it's, I'm into it. Wa- just watch it. Just don't be I think how I felt about it was like, oh, this is very cool. And then I saw the transformation of Senketsu uh into uh, you know, power uniform. Yeah. And I was a little bit like Am I on a watch list? You know, like this, <laughs> this, is, this is a little much. But then you're like, you know what? No, I'm into it. This is not like a. This is kind of girl powery in a weird, but it's it's just it. it you're like, ah, I don't know, I don't know. But it's it doesn't um, step over the line in terms of taste, and it's not gross. Well, like I'm assuming very, it doesn't. If it's on Netflix, they got to get it. You know, they can't get away with. Yeah, I just you'll see what I mean when you watch the first episode. If somebody, you might be like, well. Maybe I hope someone doesn't come in while I'm watching it, but it's not porny. It's just, and there's a reason. There's actually a fictional reason for why it is that you discover later in the series. Stick with it. Just try not to let it put you off a bit. Okay. I'm going to watch this. I'll take your recommendation to watch it. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, it's, I think it's my favorite anime out of all of them. Oh, really? It's, it's, yeah, this isn't, it's not uber violent, although it's violent. It's more just, it's yelly and, I think it just does interesting fictional things that you're never going to find in a series anywhere else in terms of it's science fiction, you know, it's not deep science fiction, yeah, but it's super good. Like it's just, uh, it's just dripping with personality and style. That's all, all I'm right. going to say. All right. There's some bad animation frames. I think then their budget got a little tight, you know, you'll see a bit of that where you're like, okay. Yeah. But anyways, do y'all ever like see, it. uh, uh, paprika? Do you remember that movie? No, I haven't seen that. I need to watch that. That's actually. a cool anime. I'm I haven't really, uh, haven't seen a lot of st- Studio Ghibli, right? Like, the uh, whole- no, that one's not, but it's, but I could see why people would say it is. It's also more adult and stuff, but, um, it's, it's kind of like that tone though, but more adult. It's, I just remember loving it. I thought it was rad. I yeah, feel and, like I've um, seen this, but I don't remember any, <laughs> like I look at it and I go, I saw this movie, but I don't remember anything about it. Yeah. Did you see, did you ever watch Knights of Sidonia? No. Or did John, is that you're asking? Maybe. No. So, well, no, I ask you because I know you've seen Blame. Yeah. We talked about that. So that Blame is based like Blame. on a m- manga from the same creator, Knights of Sidonia. And they only did two seasons on Netflix. And then it kind of dropped off the face of the earth. And actually, this is a PSA for anyone listening. Because if you happen to like Knights of Sidonia... Finally, there's not going to be a season three, but they're doing a feature film that's going to end the story uh, animation wise. And that releases, it was pushed back to June 4th. But that's like, come, I've been like, I've been searching the internet for years going like, when is more nice of Sidonia coming, please? Uh, and because um, it's also one of my favorites. 
and they're finally putting a finish on it. And that this is one of those. It's a mecha one where they're in a giant. Oh, I like humanity's mechas. last bastion is they're in an asteroid in space, and they have mechas to defend it from Ghana, giant flesh monsters. Oh, then I'm in. And then about it does have a bear lady that takes care of some of the characters. A bear lady. But, <laughs> Yeah, there's a, there's a bear lady in it. And, oh, a bear but, lady! Like she's not naked; yeah. she's a bear. No, no, she's it's a bear. Like oh. it's literally a bear. It's like Aunt Tata or something. And she's a bear. And she's like, Tanikaze, okay. yeah, make sure you eat your food. Yeah. Also, what does all the it humans... say about anime that both Scott and I immediately just assumed it was a naked lady. We're just like, there's, oh, not, there's okay, no nudity yeah. in this one. This is a little more uh, kitty, but also adults. Um, Currently and, not on Netflix, um, by the way. It's got it's not on Netflix anymore. No, no, it's not anymore. But Knights of Sidonia. I mean, I just really fell in love with it, and I, it's the only manga I've read is Knights of Sidonia. I actually bought them, hmm. um, and then they just didn't finish it. So they're finally the the movie's coming out okay. in a few weeks. So I'm I'm like super stoked about that. And you know, at one point there's a giant. So they befriend one of the Ghana or they make one. So it's like, it's like a Mecca, but a flesh Mecca that has her, it's her own. She's an individual, but she can't fit inside where the humans live in the asteroids. So she has this giant like belly penis that she puts (laughs) through the pipes. So when they're hanging out in one of their houses in the asteroid, this like little penis looking thing is also hanging out with them. And they're like, oh, hello. (laughs) And I think it's Tanigaru or what's her name is. It's weird, man. But it's the same guy that made Blame. So if you liked Blame. I liked Blame. That sort of that aesthetic, it's a little lighter, but it's the same like thinking behind it. It's really good. But yeah, it's got... It's got some weird shit. It in looks that I cool. Like. You, I like the look of it a lot. I'm looking yeah, at the it's super good, man. Knights of Sidonia is also one of my favorites. All right, written it down. And, uh, it's it's not you know I, when you're like anime, everyone's like One Punch Man, JoJo, uh, Naruto, and I'm like, man, you guys have no taste. Like yeah. Kill the Kill, Knights of Sidonia, well, Death Note, super. Come good. on now, I think One Punch Man's fantastic. They're fine, but it's so I will easy, not hear have... besmirching of One Punch Man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the 500. I, like I don't like open world games i don't like anime with 500 episodes and 50 spinoffs like the i like these limited run knights of sidonia has two seasons and you're gonna have a movie that's it kill the kills 24 episodes death note is two seasons like these tighter stories that i don't have to watch yeah. five thousand. hours See, like you don't know where to enter the apple seed universe it's like yeah i don't, I don't yeah. know or not apple seed apple seed yeah that because that looks cool, but then I'm like, well, where do you go? Do I do the '80s movie? Do I do the thousands of series spinoffs? Do I do like I don't know where to start with that stuff? So yeah, I like the you. digestible formats and and interesting. There's interesting anime there. So mm. yeah, chat room well, says I don't uh, know where you're gonna watch it, Scott, but I stand by what Kyle and Kristen uh, both recommended as well as me after they did, which is you should watch Berserk at some point. Oh yeah, but I tried uh, to find Berserk and I couldn't find Berserk anywhere. Isn't that- it's, it's on not Netflix easy. for me in Canada. It's not easy to find. Uh, I have the DVDs. That's, that's how I have it. But, All right. I'll uh, it's good. It, the only issue is it doesn't end. Oh. Uh, so like like what Bo likes, it's a limited run. But uh, like what Bo, uh, what I don't like is that it has an ending. It's just not a fulfilling one. Like it, the story wraps up, but you're like, oh, well, it wraps up on a... This concludes the story we've been telling, but now you're totally invested in a world that you're going to get no more stories about. So what's the difference between Berserk? Okay, I'm looking at my friend's Plex server. He's got a whole bunch of Berserk on here, but I can't tell what the difference is. There's one called, they're both called Berserk. 
One's from 2016. One's from 1997. Are they the same? You want the 1997? Okay, the old stuff. Okay, I'm I'm marking this now as something to watch later. They keep trying to make it because the manga's gone on, and like I said, it it would be like so. Berserk is like if you watch just the Star Wars prequels, and you're like, well, I can tell that there should be more here. Okay, you mean story wise, not quality wise. Not quality wise, but like. You can tell it's setting up something, mm-hmm. but that it then would end at episode three. You're like, all right, well, there's this Darth Vader guy, and Obi-Wan's off doing his own thing, and they keep talking about new hopes. This really ended on a bit of a downer note, everybody. <laughs> That's kind of what Berserk is. Okay. All right, I'll watch that. Uh, well, wow. thank you for the recommendations. These are fantastic. I'm kind of pissed. They took Knights of Sidonia off Netflix, and it's not streaming anywhere. Yeah, it says... I've marked it so it'll remind me when it comes back because I guess this has happened three times before. It comes and goes. Uh, it's not. I mean, a, they're just releasing remote. a movie, so it's got to come back up somewhere. So people, uh, yeah, that's gonna weird. write them a letter. If you find a source, let me know. Uh, by the way, NBC ends this email by saying thanks for the show, and you needs must accept dog dragons. Don't know what that means, but okay. Uh, that's well. Let me tell you, as somebody who's put a lot of hours in a game where people will tell you needs must what you do, mm. uh, they're saying you should like the dragons in Final Fantasy IV. Oh, was that it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I thought maybe you, what he's saying is I must like what a never-ending story dragon, like that stupid dog never-ending story dog <laughs> thing. Is that what I'm supposed to like? I don't want to like that. You should. You should like him too. No, I don't want to like it. I don't want to. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I don't want to like it. That's, I want to uh, like it. You can't make me like it. That is going to do it for this week's show. Uh, great, great stuff, everybody. I'm really glad, Bo, you were able to to get in here. Uh, sorry yeah, about yeah. the weird I mean, tech stuff, a, but it was a wonderful two hours spent troubleshooting my computer. But, yeah, you know, I'm glad yeah. I made it. It's great. That's fun stuff. There was a Windows update that I'm now nervous about. Um, uh, yeah, and I didn't update mine, so it wasn't that. It's, no, okay. it's my ongoing struggle with Discord and my audio driver. Essentially, it's just dope. Well, let's hope it all goes well. In the meantime, uh, did you guys know out there listening that we have a Patreon? That's right, we do. And if you want to support our Patreon, it's easy to do. All you do is go to patreon.com slash core show. And we'd love it if you did. It helps keep the lights on. It's going good over there, but we can always use more. So if you like the show and want to show your support for said show, head on over there now. That's, again, patreon.com slash core show. Everything else is at frogpants.com slash core. And that email address, once again, talk to the core at gmail.com. We uh, have a bit of a tradition of letting people have the final word before we leave, and we're going to do that today. John, final words from John. I'm John Jagger, and this is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. Perfect. That's that's exactly how this should go. That's really well done. Uh, Bo, final words. Uh, you're all just pigs in sheep's clothing. Oh my gosh, that's that's awesome. I don't even know what it's from, but that's great. Thank from you for kill that. Kill. Oh, watch okay. Kill, kill the kill. I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna watch that, and I'll I'll report back next week. That's gonna do it for us. Thank you all for being here. We'll see you next time. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Yes. Get more at frogpants.com. You were almost a Jill sandwich.